tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today. 1800-938-007, our free phone number. It doesn't cost you anything to make a call and Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, Thurless residents' homes flooded over the weekend. Junior search results confirmed for the 23rd of November as Pat told you. Uh, regulation of vapes. We hear from one vape distributor and indeed from some listeners on that subject as well. Our agony aunt, Phil Prendergast, will answer your problems and uh, we'll be talking all things tech as well. So all of that and much, much more on the way you can take a text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tip today at tipfm.com. A quick look at the headlines the Irish Indo leading with uh, developers allure farmers with special land deal to build. Homes, one of the country's largest home builders, wants to entice farmers into partnerships that may see them get higher than normal prices for land. And the company in question there is Glenvey uh, Properties. Right across the newspapers today, um, uh, just uh, news of the former Sinn Féin councillor, Jonathan Dowdle, and his father. And um, they're expected indeed to have specially cooked meals in prison to avoid attempts to poison them, according to the Irish Indo today. The Irish Daily Mail, evictions ban in two weeks. The government is to introduce a no-fault eviction ban in two weeks as the cost of living continues to soar. And the ban will last until the end of March, according to a memo. Uh, expected to be introduced uh, to Cabinet by Housing Minister Dara O'Brien. To the examiner, and uh, they're telling us, and again, Pat brought brought you this uh, story during news, uh, online flashing is set to be made a criminal offence in a move to make the internet a safer space, and Cabinet Ministers are today expected to approve amendments to legislation that will ban cyber flashing under the new online safety bill. Now, one would immediately wonder how the hell they're going to police that, but at least I suppose the intention is there. The Irish Times, and again that plan for ban on winter evictions to last until uh, March. Uh, The Times also telling us that drug-resistant superbugs were responsible for more than 370 deaths of Irish patients, uh, patients in a single year. An international study has estimated an estimated 1,770 patients died with a drug-resistant infection in 2019, though the resistance may not have been a factor, according to a study published in The Lancet. So that's kind of worrying. That's a quick look at what's making headlines. If you have a comment on any of those headlines... Again, we'd love to hear from you. 083 311 Now, yesterday we spoke to Councillor Jim Ryan and uh, Deputy Jackie Cahill and some of our listeners, indeed, about the horrendous flooding in Thurles on Sunday. Well, Josie sent in a video of her home and her garage uh, underwater, and she joins me now. Josie, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. Good to talk to you today. Josie, will you tell me what happened to you at the weekend? Well, friend, um, they done the back road here in Collins Park mm. and they dug a, a few holes there and there was a two or three big holes and they bought piping from the shores across to them. 
to take the flow of water. Now, the flow of water is coming in as you drive in from Collins Park. Mm. And it's coming down the hill there and going around to the backs of the houses and is is landing at the back of our house. And a couple of houses there have been flooded too. Their gardens flooded. Now, um, the water came into our garage, Fran, and we have an outside toilet my husband built for the kids when they were young. Yes. And the water went into the toilet. And I flushed the toilet at one stage and the, it came up. It came up. Now, up it didn't th- come through, over it. Up through the toilet itself? Yeah, wow. yeah, it did. Okay. And it was kind of nearly over upstairs too. Right. And do you know, friend, we have a long enough garage and the water came up to the back door and uh, and, the, and the shore at the back door, the... The, what the shore there mm, that yes. all came up around the place now we have two big steps at the back door Fred and I'll tell you only for the steps there to be gone in around the house my god so it came up it would have come up about a foot then would it yeah it, it came up it was very bad friend. and had now, you ever seen the likes of that before Josie I've never seen it before now it did come in lots of times before we're over 40 years living here friend. Yes. we've always been flooded the garage and we've been on to everybody about it. And, um, you know, we just had to keep on to the engineer about it. And month after month, we were ringing and ringing. But eventually, this man um, got something done, as we thought would be a brilliant job now. And um, the next thing, we had this big flood. Now, we had a, we had a couple of a bad days um, before that. Yes. And it came in kind of halfway. And when did they dig those holes that you were talking about and put it's in new piping? not too long ago at Isn't all. It? I think it was right. in September, Fran. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, around, I think it was yeah, August or September. And was that work done with a view to stop flooding or to alleviate yeah, it? Yeah, tried to stop the flood coming in. Right. Now, yeah, tried to stop the flood coming into the, to the, into the house there. Right. The backs of the house. But, but it, it, it failed, Josie, obviously. It did fail. Yeah. Without a doubt, I did fail. Now, there's a young chap living, as I drive around, we can drive around the backs of our houses, mm. and there's a, a young chap, um, Trevor, living around the side of the house, and he said, I'm living 40 years. I met him the other night on mm. the road, we're drowned in and out. And I met that chap, and he said to me, Josie, he said, I'm living over 50 years here, and he said, my garage is flooded. And flooded for the first time, Josie? Or yes, that yeah. was, his garage was flooded for the first time. My God, you, you, your husband had to clean up, and I think he's about okay. eight, he's about eighty years old, is he? He's nearly eighty years old. Right, and he had to go out and. <clears throat> well, we had to just leave everything the next morning, Fran. Yeah. Because it was horrendous, and I have a chest infection there. Oh God. So oh, I had to go God, out and clean up the place, and it was, it was an awful mess. Now, you see the video there yourself. I, did, I yes. sent them on to you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know what they're going to do now, but I did ring the engineer yesterday and uh, he said he will look into it again. And in terms of damage, Josie... I'm... I should look at, friend, we brought in all the, the flowers into the garage, the rain, geraniums and lots of flowers that we had out there for the summer. We brought them in for the, for the winter into the garage and uh, lots of things we had, uh, like, sitting on the floor, like. Right. And uh, we brought in the garden benches and all them. But they were okay, but everything was swimming around around the garage. 
And uh, have, will, you need, will you need to claim on insurance where that's concerned, Josie? Well, uh, listen to Jim Ryan there yesterday morning. If you claim on your insurance, um, no one insure you again. Yeah, I am you, insured. You, yeah, or you'll drive up the premium in yes, some way. Yes, that's to it, yeah. Point, yeah. So what's the point in, in, in insuring your house? And when you make a claim, then you can't, um, yeah. you know what I mean? Get insurance again, Fran. It's it, it's amazing though that I mean how long did they spend doing that work out the back of the house? I think we were a few weeks ahead, uh, friend. Yeah, right. So on that, and off that days, you that, know. Yeah, that cost a lot, obviously. Well, and sure, it cost a good bit of money, friend. Yeah. And no, to no avail. To no. Yeah, avail. well, you see, the road is a bit high at the far side of the ditch. Right. Okay. You know, it is a bit high, and it's kind of low uh, down at the back of our house. So like. there's a flow down there, in some yeah, way. there is a bit of a flow there. But I, I don't. They need to clean the shores more often, friend, because um, there's a lot of muck coming down there when the water flows down there. There's a lot of muck coming down the backs of them houses, and when it dries up, it's all hard. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. A lot and of people are making that again. point to us that the shores aren't cleared or the gullies aren't look cleared at, often uh, look enough. Look at where the, 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 the there's people living around around me and uh, their hedges are not very good and they're as high as the house and they're not being cut down and all the leaves are going into the shores and they're blocking them. And has I, that, did say, yeah. I did say to the engineer yesterday about that too. Well, Josie, we're putting it out there this morning anyway that this is the case yeah. and, uh, you know, hopefully some people will, will begin to listen and maybe we yeah. could have more workers out there clearing the gullies and the and I the know, friend, yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, we're just tired of it now. I, I can well imagine. And you're chatting to your neighbours about this, Josie. Oh, yeah, all my neighbours knows about it, yes. One of my neighbours, Paddy, came in the other night and he couldn't believe it. I said to Paddy, come in the, come in the front door and, and have a look at it. And, and he was shocked. I can, I can well imagine, indeed, and I can hear that's it. That's not the first time. We're we're over forty years here now, and that's happening all the time. And uh, there there were not been done only to since September there, but now I'm just thinking: is it going to work at all? Are we going to have lots of floods now? More floods floods in the in the garage. Yeah, now I know that Sunday night was unprecedented was amount unreal. amount of rainfall and we don't often have those kind of bursts of rain. But yeah. still, you'd imagine that new work would have coped with that. No, it didn't, friend. No, it didn't. No, it was just awful. And and uh, as I said to Jimmy, um, you know, we might get his peace now when the shores were done. Yes, but no. But look. Not, not the no, case. friend, that's going on a long, long time. That's going on over 40 years. My God. As I said to you, it's going on over 40 years. Now, when they do rain very heavy, it would come in halfway, but not anything like the other night. I know there was awful rain. Yes. It was wicked. Well, Josie, we're, we're, we're putting it out there now. The public representatives are listening to us, so hopefully we'll get something done where, where this is concerned. The only thing that worries me, Josie, is what to do, because, I mean, they did yeah. work, as you said, uh, but it just wasn't effective at all, you know. Now, OK, if, if we have a heavy shower rain, mm. uh, it is fairly floody down that way. It yes. comes down fairly heavy, but it goes into the shore good enough. But, like, um, like... We're going to get a lot more of this rain. Yes, and I know this and that's week... that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, even the week coming now is going to be pretty, pretty wet yeah, as well. it's going to be bad again on yeah. Wednesday, I think. Well, Josie, I can hear the cold in your voice, so you look after yeah. yourself, won't you? I will, Fran. All right, and, and thanks for talking to me this morning, Josie. Thank you very much, Fran. Thank you, Josie. Thank you, and bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Josie. 
in Thurless there. Let's go to uh, the Collins Park area of Thurless now and to Johnny. Johnny, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran, and good morning to all your listeners out there. Uh, good good to talk to you today, Johnny. Have you a similar story to Josie? Well, I my story is about observation. We have a situation. I haven't seen our shores cleaned in the last seven years. And if you don't clean the shore, you're in trouble. Now, I clean the shore outside our own place. Mm. But uh, you're talking about a, a new system going in around the town. But mm. the thing about, it's all right to put in a new system. But if you have a, a road there or a street with eight or ten drains on it, and one, two and three is working and four is completely blocked, so the water that's coming from one, two and three can't get through four. So what happens, you have a build-up and it comes back up the shores again. I and that's see. happening all over the town. So if it's ba- it's backing up, town, Johnny, then. It's backing yes, up, is it? It's backing yeah. up because yeah. it can't flow through. It's like if you have an engine, an, an engine on the track, and that engine is going forward, and it, it comes to a stop because it's blocked. It can't go forward, so you have to wait till it's fixed or reversed. So with the case of the water, is reversed and back, and it's all coming up the manhole. And then just the streets are flooding up. The water's not able to flow forward. But that's, if you go walk around the town, you'll see, I don't know, many, I see it myself, I see it every day, I bring it to the attention of people. The amount of shores that are blocked that are not cleaned out, the sand that's in them, the dirt that's in them, the grass and the weeds is unreal. And if you have that situation, the water cannot flow freely. So it's a simple job once a year that they clean all these things, but they don't. And when is it's, the ideal time to do that, Johnny? I would think myself, it should be done in August, September. Right. Bef- August, before August, the autumn, August, before September. the leaves fall, I suppose. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, some, I've, I've talked to people since yesterday, now you're going on air with this, and several people have the same story around. Some people say, get a shovel or a spade or whatever. Now, I get the spade, but I have to get down with my glove. Now, when you clean the shore itself, that's grand. But the neck of the shore, the entrance and the exit, that's blocked. When that's blocked, the water won't flow forward. So it's pointless. Okay. So you it. need, there, there are machines out there. There's a company here in town that do it and they can come in and they could do all the town and do all the towns around the county at a certain time of the year. It's no good a shovel in spade. That's right. out. So the, the work, is because some people were saying to us yesterday, why don't people clear their own shores? But I mean, if you just have a shovel or a spade or something, you can't do it properly. Is that what you're no. saying to me? That's right. You have to go down your hands and knees with rubber gloves on you to get the naked shore. Right. You think you're cleaning it out and you... Now, if I didn't clean the shore outside, there is about 150 yards of a stretch that that, that, that that shore caters for. And if that's blocked, you'll have about five or six inches of water. But it cannot come into us because we're up in a height, lucky enough, not like the poor misfortune that was there before no. talking, mm. and around the town. But it seems to be the same thing. Now you have down at Central Stadium, they put in these new French shores, as they call them, they're open, you'll probably see them. Mm. They're in drains now on farmers and places like that. They're open drains, and then you have a shore, right? Right. From the from Semple Stadium down to Dyer's Corner, they have those shores in a very good number of years. But they're full of sand, weeds, and grass. They're, it's pint- They've never been cleaned. So it's it's pointless. And and do you, do you really mean seven years since the drains yes, were cleaned? Yes, seven, seven years. years. Excuse me. Now, I'm saying I gave 17 years at the tidy town, so I'm very aware. Richard tells me at times I'm a bit nosy, but if you don't look, you won't see and you won't see what's going on. Yes. And it was always there when you had 17 years' experience with the tidy town. 
you noticed all these things and you brought it to their attention. Of course. Now, you have councillors now, they're highlighting the situation at the moment. They can only do so much. You have engineers that are there and they're supposed to be alleviating this work. But the thing about if if that happened in the private sector and you had people looking after that type of a situation and it wasn't rectified, those people would be removed. Now, this problem is ongoing in Tullus and other towns and villages around the country with Irish water. All you have to do is look at the river shore here in Tullus. They're responsible for that. Mm. Now, to me, Irish water, I don't know, some people say they're doing good work, some people say they're doing bad work, but to me, at the moment, from what I can see, the manpower isn't on the ground. And with your experience of tidy towns and all of that, I mean... Has the work deteriorated over the years in terms of upkeep of the gullies and the shores and all of that? Oh, very much so, Fran. Very Has much it? so, big. Very much so, because I we came into the age of uh, technology, modern technology, but right. we've gone backwards. The man on the ground, with the man on the ground, he saw, he observed, he reported, the job was fixed, and then, as I said, every year around August, September, had those people clean and drain. But the only time they clean the drain now is when something happens. And they bring in the company with the, the pumps. Now, right. they should be used in all the drains around the town with Galvin once a year. And that way the water will run. You'll have some chance when the flood comes that the water will run freely. But when you have every second or third drain blocked, the water just fills up, comes up the shores. As, as that one man told me, he saw one of the, the manholes bubble up out of the ground. You can imagine the weight of those. Yeah, and, and that, that's that what concerned me. That's what concerned me about Josie's story as well, that yeah. she has an outside mm-hmm. loo and the water seems to be coming up through the yes. loo, like, you know. But when you think of it then, going back a number of years back, when we had the situation again in Friar Street and they said they were putting in these drain storm pipes, right? Yes. Now, I've seen some of them and I thought they were very good at the time. I thought they were very effective. But when I heard Jermaine saying then the other morning that the storage and the water runoff was all into one, I said, Jesus, what, what year are we living in? I mean, really, you know? You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, you know, you have Eamon Ryan going on there about the environment. And, and, and one per, one crowd is saying one thing, the other crowd is saying another thing. But here you have it in a built-up area where you have so, raw storage and running water off of the pipes. On, on, this, on the, the houses. Yeah, what, the what, what does mean? that do to the environment? You would, you oh, my God, the, the smell. And I mean, the shops and fire seats, your heart goes out. There's I know. Many times you'll have know. to suffer. I'm not sure no, if you I saw did. the video of it, but like, just, oh, just, I did, I did, so I did. I did. Jim, Jim is yeah. a very good friend of mine because yeah. I'm involved with the Doris Ada Memorial as well, and Jim is our secretary. Right. So I'm very much involved with that. I, I take notice what goes on. So I've read by it in town itself. Yeah. But when I see that kind of thing going on and people in power that do nothing and sit back and just say, oh, time and time and time again you hear you report it and hey, the same thing happens but, year but after things, year. And things have deteriorated uh, in terms of upkeep as far as you're concerned. Oh, John. very much yeah. so. Very much so. All you have to do is look around. You see, one time there, the, the town council, as well as then, now it's a yeah. municipal council. Yeah. They had a false scheme. They haven't got that anymore. But they were short of men. Then you had Irish Water. That was divided up between the county council and Irish Water. Mm. The manpower was divided up again. So you were a shortage of manpower again. Those people weren't replaced. They never replaced anybody. 
All right, Johnny, I must leave it there. But thank you so much for sharing your experience. You gave me a better understanding of what's going on as well. Thanks for that, Johnny. Thank you. And You're good, welcome. Good, thank good, you. Good morning bye. to you. Bye thank bye. you. Bye bye to you now. That's Johnny in uh, Collins Park there in Thurles today as well. 1800 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie well, it's been reported in the last hour that the State Examinations Commission will issue the 2022 junior search results on Wednesday the 23rd of November and candidates on that day can access the results online from 4pm. Now the delay as you're well aware at this point is being blamed in part on a shortage of examiners and of course the prioritisation given to the marking of the leaving cert as well. Joined now by Principal of the Presentation Secondary School in Thurles, Trish O'Callaghan. Trish, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you so much for coming on with me today, Trish, because I know how busy you are. Um, At last we have a date, but there must have been a lot of frustration about this, Trish. Oh, Fran, to be honest, we're very, very disappointed here with the date. The 23rd of November, I mean, if you look at the girls who have completed their exams, you're going from September, October, and now almost the end of November before they get to see how they have done in their summer exams. It's very, very disappointing for the students and also for the staff. And if you think of it, they're coming out at the back of two difficult years Mm. with COVID, the restrictions, the online learning, the mask wearing. And, you know, this seems to be pushed out and pushed out. And the, um, I suppose all of their work that they had to put in just seems less important the more it's pushed out. And that's, that's the important thing, isn't it? That it does seem less important. And it has it done uh, terminal damage to the credibility of the exam itself at this point, Trish, do you think? I think anything that is pushed off and that you can push it out, it does seem to the students that it's less important. Yes. It's lovely when they come back in September and they're looking forward to their exam results. I know that seems strange if they're looking forward to this, mm. but it, it gives them, you know, affirms the work they have done. It gives them, I suppose, an idea of where they're going and it can show their strength and that the work that they have put in has paid off now for some. Some of our students go straight into fifth year. So mm. even the idea of choosing their subjects and knowing what well, I've done well in this and now I'm going to choose it for my leading search. It gives me that sort of, um, uh, I suppose, you know, their own wealth of their knowledge and the affirmance that the work that they have done and just that it's recognised nationally and within the school of the work that they have done. Um, in terms of those who might have uh, chosen then to do the transition year, for example, what, what effect will it have on them? I don't think it makes much of a difference to the year now that they're in, but I think it takes from all of the excitement from results day. They have moved on now. I, I think they see the, uh, the junior cycle as less important. Now they have gone through it. They're waiting on the results. They haven't got them. They have moved on with where they're at and they're learning and they've embraced the TY programme. Um, I think for them, 
you know, and, and for our school in particular, the date, I'm very disappointed, the 23rd of November, they're due to be out on work experience. Yes. So, you know, the build-up of the excitement and for the school to, um, you know, bring them to the hall and to um, acknowledge their work and acknowledge their results, um, you know, as a whole school, um, I think they, they're going to miss out on that. Is that after midterm? It is, isn't it? Uh, it's after midterm. Um, so we're due in midterm uh, just at the end of this month, so they'll be back. So you're, you're another month waiting. So it's, it's very far down the line for them, and they won't be in school on that day. You know, we like to make a big deal and just show the importance of it. And to be honest, for the junior uh, students in the school who are now getting ready for their junior cycle and in first year and second year to see the importance of this and to see that, yes, the school is recognising this as a big deal. And to go through the exam process is really important for them, sitting down for a state exam. Our current leaving certs from these are the girls who didn't get to sit an exam, and I think they're feeling it as well, that they didn't sit it. So having sat it now and now for it to be seen as less important is is not great for our students. Uh, I, can, I can well imagine indeed. Now, Minister Foley is talking about this stage then of a root and branch uh, review of the exam itself. Is that necessary as far as you're concerned, Trish? I think we always need to be reviewing yes. um, the work that we're doing and how the assessment process. So it's really important that it is reviewed. And uh, especially for this year, if you've seen all the problems that have arisen I know some of them were out of our control with COVID and the double exam that we had to go through for the uh, leaving cycle. Um, but I think definitely a review on how it is corrected, on the timelines in particular. Yes, I know you have to marry with the leaving cert and with the college entrance and all of that. But there has to be a way around it. There has to be a way for improvement, um, whether that is looking at how we correct maybe the number of subjects, um, the way the exam is, is gone. You know, even if you're looking at the last number of years, all of the teacher training and the, um, I suppose, uh, junior cycle reform had put a huge emphasis on, you know, things like CBAs, Mm. classroom-based assessments. And now, even when they get the results, they they won't get their GCPA, um, you know, which accounts for all of those other areas of learning because the school would need all of that information to be input before it can be given out. So, you know, all of this work that has been done, we're not getting to that end point where we can acknowledge that work unless we can um, amalgamate all of the parts of it to come out with that that certificate for the girls. So definitely there is some sort of review that needs to be done. Do you have any concerns about the quality of the examining, Trish? Because I was surprised to read today that, you know, a proportion of the examiners included unqualified trainee teachers as well. Does does that concern you at all? I think it definitely would concern any student, any parent, any teacher, any principal. You know, you're setting your students up to sit an exam where there's going to be quality control, where there's going to be consistency, where there's going to be fairness across the line. That's the whole point of doing a state exam. So it's really important that the recruitment process would have, I suppose, properly qualified people to do that so that there is fairness for everybody. So, you know, that goes back to the review and how do we recruit the personnel to do the job effectively, efficiently and to the standard that we need. Will you speak to your students today on this? 
Uh, hopefully we will meet the TYs now. We're very involved with our school musical, as you know, from the radio yes. plan, and it's a very exciting time for us. So we'll just plug that there while we're on. Well, why not? Um, and a lot of our uh, transition year students are involved in the show. So, you know, they are currently yes. uh, preparing down in the Premier Hall. But we will be sending out a notification around that. Uh, just for us, particularly, we're disappointed with the date and um, that it's still pushed out and that, you know, they're not going to be in-house on that day. Well, when is your musical kicking off, by the way? So we are having our school matinee tomorrow, Fran, and then open for public performances on Thursday night, on Friday night, on Saturday for a matinee, so a very family-friendly show, and then our final night is Saturday, and we're delighted that we're up at the Premier Hall. Excellent. And uh, tickets on sale where, Trish? Tickets are on sale. There's a box office number there with you as well, or you can contact the school office. So, um... We're no very full now. I think there's a little bit of the availability on the Saturday matinee and for Friday night. Well, I'm delighted to leave on a happier note uh, anyway, but uh, my best wishes to your pupils and your students. Thanks for talking to me, Trish. Thanks, Simon, Thank as you. always, Thank for, you. for your contribution. And yeah. we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye to you, Trish. That's uh, Trish O'Callaghan there, who's principal of the lovely Presentation School in Thurles, and the best of luck to them where their musical is concerned as well. 1800 Let's go back to the flooding in Thurles, and William joins me now. William, good morning to you. Good morning, son. How are you? I'm nice per- to speak to you. Yeah, I'm good to speak to you too, William. You describe it as a pure disgrace, William. It was a disgrace in Thurles town itself. I've never seen anything like that in a long, long, long time. Did you not? Never, never. And I, I live in Thurles all my life. Right. And again, um, is it about the shores, William? What, what's wrong with the shores? They're not being cleaned often enough. Yeah. Now, I, I say in that, there will be not any leaves now that going on. It's probably just a clog up thing. Mm. But if that rain had to continue for a few days more, we'll be all flooded out. And I, I, I feel sorry for the premises as well. You know, that, that, were, that were under you know, water getting into the premises and destroying it. I mean, to the holy. And I mean, my daughter was down getting chips that night, mm. and the whole world, you couldn't get down. And she got soaked. Got soaked. Oh, the poor daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And and did she find it hard to get around? I mean, w- did it happen well, she, that sudden? It happened all of a sudden. I mean, the rain came down was unnatural. Yeah. And I mean, there should have been uh, enough of shore there to take it away. But obviously the one and just blocked. And I mean, we, we heard earlier on uh, from... Um, from Johnny, who has a lot of experience in uh, tidy towns and the like, he he said this is an ongoing issue in Thurless Town, and it's been ongoing for years that the maintenance is not happening. It's not happening, no, definitely not. Definitely not happening. To, uh, well, seeing is believing. I saw that there. I heard about it. And I, I, I even had a video of it on Fire Street. Yes, and 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 the, and the water was in fire. It was unnatural. Yeah, so Jim Ryan sent us videos of it, and I just couldn't believe it. To be well, honest, I want, to, I want to thank Jim Ryan for what he said. Yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, why? Because he's speaking out about this. Is he's that speaking it? out about it. Yeah, it's scandalous. All right. Okay. Yeah. And where can I ask you whereabouts in Thurles you are, William? <clears throat> I'm up here in Gorton's Haggis. Okay. And were you affected by the flooding? I wasn't. As such, yeah. No. You're on higher ground up there. On higher you? ground. Yeah, I am. Yeah. All right, William, well, good to talk to you today and my best to you and thank you for coming on with us. That's William there again uh, on about the flooding in uh, Thurles. How do you feel about that? Now, the said Councillor Jim Ryan was back in touch with us and he made contact with the council officials about Josie's 
uh, flooding. And Josie spoke to me at the top of the hour and he said he will keep the pressure on them until something is sorted out. What concerns me about Josie's story, uh, well, obviously it concerns me that she was flooded, but obviously work went on there. And, you know, it seemed to be pretty heavy-duty work over a period of time that was done, obviously, at, at you know, quite a cost, I would imagine, and still it wasn't uh, wasn't effective in an emergency. So I'm just wondering, how do you feel about that as well? 1800-938-007. Joe was on to us from Newtown, and he says, Fran, Norma Foley, that would be Minister Norma Foley, Education Minister, um, is our Liz Truss completely out of her depth? says Joe. Somebody else uh, just making a rather stark comment on uh, text saying the junior cert is irrelevant. Well, it might be irrelevant to you, but to the kids who do the exam and sit down and do the exam and waiting for the result, it's not irrelevant uh, to them. Um, but uh, with the way it's been dealt with uh, this year, you'd wonder is it relevant at all to the powers that be. Uh, same story in Nina, Fran, no shores cleared for years says John. Um, uh, Mr. J. Brown was on to us to say the council worked for days on a road to on the road to relieve flooding on the Dublin Road last Wednesday and Thursday. It never worked. It was flooded on Sunday. Called the council. Haven't heard back. Uh, it's a long saga going on over 50 years, it says here. Over 50 years. My God. 083 311 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now we had a lot of reaction to yesterday's chat with uh, Deirdre Ryan and uh, Deputy Jackie Cahill regarding the use of the Templemore Garda College swimming pool. Well, Patricia McLaughlin is a resident in Templemore and joins me now. Patricia, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome, Patricia. You were complimentary of Deirdre for bringing up uh, the topic. I, uh, I think this is such, like, this is such an important topic for Templemore and for the Garda College and for the OPW at large. And Dee did a really great job yesterday. Mm. And t- tell me why it's so important. Well, there's a big question, <laughs> a very big question going on here. It's a question of safety and lives essentially, uh, not sound too dramatic, but there was well over 800 people confirmed with Mark Kiley to go ahead and do classes with him. Mm. So these are kids that are essentially not going to get their their training in swimming or even lifeguarding. That has a massive impact down the line. And the other thing is that we've always enjoyed a really great legacy, if you like, of great relationship here with the college and the OPW and this is really flying in the face of the community here because, you know, from the get-go, when it all started off at the swimming pool and Bill and Anna's fantastic work then, yes. it was always open to the community. It was always such an important link. And people are so upset and genuinely angry right now because, like, a few years ago when they withdrew um, their support of local suppliers, mm. You could have said, okay, business or whatever, and it was a thing, a very bad thing for an awful lot of people. And I personally still think that was a terrible decision. 
and not a very sustainable one either. Yes, but and it's, it's one that hasn't worked out very well for the college by all accounts either. Yeah, anyway, I think they could revisit that. But first yeah. of all, we need our children are now um, in the running here to be not attacked, but certainly not served. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's such an opportunity missed by Patrick Donovan, OPW, and the superintendent there, the college, Patrick Murray. I mean, they're big into their image. What is this going to do to that? Uh, Jack Chambers is there, the Minister, Minister for Sport, and he's mm. saying that every child in Ireland should be given the opportunity to swim. We have a pool. We have um, a man who's trained and trained by in the very pool that he now wants to go back and train more children in and help them learn how to swim in waters and, and save lives down the line. I mean, this is huge. What are they thinking? And what, no what, thinking here at all. what do you make about their excuse, Patricia, which is that, you know, um, they can only just embrace somebody in a non-commercial way. In other words, that these kids are paying for the swimming classes and because of that, it's deemed to be commercial in some way. Yeah, um, well, they're... The, no, mean, no, it was always yeah. like this. So there's precedent for this. So I don't know why... That yeah. has changed. Yeah. So look, always when I'm in a situation where I feel like there's conflict, I do try to put myself in the, seat, in the shoes of that person opposite me who has yes. the, the opposing view or whatever. So I genuinely feel that they're probably scrambling right now. It feels like they're scrambling. They said no commercial use. Then they said it's only for college use. And then they're saying that the commercial schools only. In fact, that they can come, the schools can come, but only on a commercial basis. And now they're saying that they're going to actually close it because the college isn't using it enough. So it's a very scrambled lacking of joined-up thinking that's coming across in their decision-making. Mm. And that, to me, says that they're actually worrying about what everybody else is worrying about at the moment. And that's energy. And that's energy usage. And to be fair, I mean, it is a huge structure up there, but there's so much possibility there, too. And tell there's me about so that, potential. because you, you have some ideas on that, don't you? Well, this is what's really funny and timely in a way um, the sustainable energy community here in Sample Moor because they formed three years ago mm. just recently launched the energy master plan for Sample Moor and I know the top of the list of priorities there is to work hand in hand with the county council and local providers and the Garda College mm. to provide energy saving ideas for the college um, some small studies have been done there and they're already really making waves there themselves Pardon the pun, but it's it's genuinely important that we now work together. So them closing the door to future swimming for the children here in Templemore is ridiculous because mm. we just really really want to work with them. And and you and make the point them. there's a lot of roof space there on the college that could host solar energy panels. Oh on yeah, the work, I suppose. I mean, I'm sure there's more than just the Garda College saying right now. If only we'd done this five years ago. But now the possibilities are here and now and ready. There's people here in Templemore who are willing and technical and they know exactly what to do to get these things moving in the right direction, which provide ample energy for the college, um, lighting, heating and the swimming pool. I mean, there's any amount of ways around this, but we have to start working together. And I would really appeal to Patrick Murray to reach out to the community and have a meeting, talk with the powers that be here in the town and just really make something mm. positive out of this whole mess. And Patricia, Deirdre spoke to us yesterday about the notion that, you know, if you can't get a, a positive on this, that people will take to the streets and possibly protest outside of the college as well. Would you support that? 
Well, I hope it doesn't come to that. Yes. I hope at some point they're going to start listening to the opinions that are out there and the, the sense. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of a difficult situation and a climate crisis and an energy crisis is definitely a difficult situation for everyone, you're, you're taught to scramble. So right. you really have to work together. We're more than willing to yeah, work but, with but the I, I was looking at the, the reply that Jackie Cahill got from the minister and there's no mention in that at all about energy costs or anything. Well, and this I'm, is me surmising. Yeah, and, and I'm very confused as well because what the minister said to Jackie was... Where a group is interested in using the facilities, that is the swimming pool, they must apply to the Garda College in the first instance. If that's deemed appropriate, the college will then request the OPW to grant a licence to the group for the use of the pool facilities. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? I think this is called the long finger. I think this is um, the faffing around that we're talking about here that is like a lack of showing their real hand um, because they're in a vulnerable position now. They have public outcry against this, but also they have to deal with their own issues. So I am cognizant of that, and I am imagining that they have energy worries. And I am here just to say that the the community here, an established SEC with very good links to the County Council and loads of great plans with them for more, we're more than happy to work with them. But we're going to have to work together. It's not any one right. side doing all the effort. And the other um, mention in Jackie's reply from the Minister was around that, uh, you know, again, if, if a group is looking for uh, the facilities, that they must satisfy conditions around insurance, vetting, mm-hmm. etc., in advance of in advance of submitting the application. Yeah. Now, it's I... truly not viable. Right. It's, there's so many hoops and rings to jump through there that it's so... Yes. Difficult to do it. That obviously nobody's going to do it. Yeah, you're not. Wa- you're not wanted. You're basically not doing. not wanted in the college. Basically, that's it. That's the it? very strong feeling that's coming across from right. their communications today. So we would really appeal to the OPW and to the Garda College to have a good sit down, have a good think about this, talk to members of the community, just find some solutions here because this is no way to kind of deal with the wonderful legacy that they have up to date. My own dad was a guard and I was always so proud to go in there and do my little lessons on a Friday evening or whatever day it was. It was just such a huge, massive, positive part of my upbringing. I actually can't believe that it's come to this. So you you learned how to swim there as well? I surely did, yeah. yeah and you've, you've obviously lovely memories of that too. Yeah, Neil Boyle stood behind me for about half an hour before I could jump off the big diving board <laughs> in my evening. I mean... Yes. Everybody in there, like it was such a lovely way to connect with the college as well as a child, as a teenager. Yes. And I went back as an adult then when I moved back to Ireland. I went back immediately when I heard that Phil and Anna were still on the go. <laughs> I was delighted. And there's so many adults in there yes. in those adult lessons. Yeah. Let's not forget them either. They Absolutely. also want to learn important. how to swim and they are now learning how to swim there. So I, was I was reading Deirdre's letter to the Tipperary Star as well and she made another very important point as well because the college has a short memory. The people of Templemore have been very, very good to the college too, you know, in terms yeah. of looking after when there was a spillover of students, they took them into uh, their homes. Yeah. When when uh, traffic is disrupted around the day, the big days at the college, there's a great yeah. tolerance of it locally as oh, well. Oh, a great, uh, absolutely. I mean, this is what I'm saying. There's such a really um, great legacy there, as Dee would say herself, and it's such a shame now to pull all that down. Really, community is what it's all about at the moment. And if we cannot start to work in our communities solidly, 
and with good intention and good thoughts one towards the other, then there's really no point, is there? So it'd be such a crying shame oh, if right. they were to dig their heels in here and to not listen to what is being said. All right. Well, Patricia, we'll be following the story with uh, great interest for sure and good to talk to you today and thanks very much indeed. So grateful. Thank you. you Bye-bye to you now. Uh, That's uh, Patricia speaking to us there from Templemore. Uh, Paul joins me now. Paul, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today, Paul. Um, You're posing an idea about the junior cert. You you think it should be scrapped, Paul? Uh, Not exactly. It's just there's an awful lot of pressure put on students for the junior cert. And not to be harsh, you can't get a job stacking shelves with your leaving cert. You know, what you, what use really is the junior cert? Right. You know, I, I've been kind of thinking, you need to modular, modularise the whole system and have it lead straight to the leaving cert. And do you not see it as a kind of a, a milestone along the way in some sort of a learning post maybe for future examinations? But, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the pressure on the exam is, is too great. I mean, I, I had two brothers-in-law, both of which who were perfectly capable of producing the results. But the exams made them sick. Just just the whole pressure of the sitting the down. The pressure and... of, of sitting down to do the exam. Right. Now, whereas it was a case of, like, I, I also had my daughter did her, her, her leaving cert in... Uh, in Youthreach. Mm. And my, my son did his junior search in Youthreach in Dublin. Yes. And because it was all modular, he basically had the exam passed before he started to do the exam. All right. Will you explain modular to me now? Is, is that where they're examined over a period of time? Uh, for it is. It yes. is done, it, it, it's done in uh, phases. Mm. And each, each phase has assignments in it and you're marked on the assignments. Mm. And at the end of it all, you just have... Uh, I suppose, I once over likely to see how it all gelled together. Right, but it takes away from that sort of sitting down with the blank page on, on a single day and, and doing a particular exam. That is it. That's the whole thing. And quite frankly, as I, as I say, they both did their leaving cert in, in Youth Reach in Ross Cray mm. and they produced marvellous results. In fact, from what I can gather, they were, that they were the best results that Ross Cray had ever gotten in the leaving cert. Very good. And because less less pressure, you're telling me, Paul. Less pressure. Less pressure because when it comes time for the final bit, you more or less have the exam passed. You're just chasing your grade. Which would take a lot of pressure off because many yeah. of us uh, remember the Leaving Cert with, with great horror. In fact, it's, it's often the uh, the result of some of our nightmares, in fact, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, in fairness, I didn't do Leaving yeah, Cert. I, yeah. I got as far as the intercert and then got a job in the post office. But uh, that's 40 years ago. Right. But uh, basically, uh, the two brothers-in-law were physically ill yeah. at, the, at the prospect of doing the exam. And both of them, and I use the phrase lightly, had brains to born. Right. They understood the, 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 the curriculum and the syllabus and all that. They just couldn't face the day. They just fell down on, on that particular day. And uh, that and uh, that exactly. was the judgment then. And, you know, that was it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, that's three years down the tubes. Wow. It's, know, it's interesting when you put it like that. So would yeah. you have anything at all there or would you have something modular there? I would have something modular for the full okay. five years. Oh, for the full five years, okay. The full five years, okay. or, or, or even whatever they're going to do for TY. Right. But the, but TY and there was another thing. 
that that's a case where uh, but why did you be teaching how to fill in tax forms and how to do your theory test kind of thing? I, I think that's a very good idea. I think you that know, would be making very good use of that time because I have my own reservations about TY to some degree, I must say. Yeah, but I, I think in some cases with TY what would happen is some people are going great guns mm. and this break knocks them off stride. Absolutely. Absolutely. And others are under pressure and the TY gives them a break and they can go back fresh with it. Yeah. So it, 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 it's one of those questionable situations. But as I say, TY could be used for... Practical stuff. Practical stuff. Like, yeah. as I say, how to fill in a tax yeah. form. I God think forbid, I think years ago we used to call that yeah. we used to call that civics. Do you remember? In my day, it was called civics. Civics, yes. yeah. How to live your life in a practical way? I, I think that's. Do you know that's the most sensible thing I've heard in a long time? Yeah. You know, and yeah. it, 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 would be, it would be a good uh, wind down after the whatever form the junior sir takes. Right. Now, so Min- Min- Minister Foley is talking about a root and branch. Um, uh, review into the whole examination system, but I'm not sure how, you know, how revolutionary it's going to be. You know, you well, know. At, at the end of the day, uh, there's nothing wrong with the Irish education system uh, as regards teaching. Mm. I mean, as, as I say, you don't get into college in Ireland unless you have the points. Yes. If you, if you can't code it, you're not getting in. Yeah, but if you can't cut it in a sort of a exam situation where it's based on on, on memory uh, as opposed to intellect, if you know what I mean, like yeah. You know. But what I mean is, if you don't get the point, that uh, that means you haven't, on, uh, and that will depend on a day. Yes, which you you think isn't fair. It is unfair. Yeah. yeah, I mean, having said that, this idea of giving uh, notional grades for the leaves leave that they had the last couple of years doesn't exactly give you. A, an accurate picture either. Mm. You know, but look, as I say, if you had a situation where from year, first year to fifth year or sixth year, whatever way it works in TY, at the end of each year, you've, you've been doing assignments, you know where you stand and, and you can see where the weak points are mm. and the, the pressure is off. Well, Paul, you're a sensible man and some very good ideas in there for sure. That uh, That is the case. Thanks for talking to me, Paul. Thank you. Good morning to you. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's the free phone, phone number to speak to Emma. You can text on WhatsApp 83 Now, if you were tuned our way yesterday, we spoke to Ken about the proposal to ban disposable vapes. Now, Ken was a very heavy smoker indeed. He smoked three packs a day. So what is that, 60 cigarettes a day? But uh, he only quit because of vapes, so he's a big advocate for them. But he does feel that they need to be regulated in some way. Joan joins me now. Joan, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Joan. You think that vapes, uh, disposable or otherwise, should be banned, Joan? 
I do indeed, because, well, to my knowledge, firstly, they came onto the market in the guise of an aid to stop smoking. Mm-hmm. But these items are laden with chemicals that I'm sure in time will cause many more health problems than any cigarette smoking. They are not just a hazard like to our ecosystem and our environment. They're more importantly a hazard to the citizens of our world. And there is no control whatsoever over any of these. My granddaughter went into a phone shop last yeah. summer. No, you're not, you, you, didn't, you didn't mention the shop to me. Or no, or no, I wouldn't dream yeah. of it. Uh, I wouldn't dream of it. Thanks, John. And she went into this shop. She was looking for a cover, a particular cover for her phone. Mm. And the shop didn't have it. And that was fine. But uh, the gentleman said to her, he said, well, would you be interested in a vape? He said, I've just got in a new selection. Now, she said, well, no, I'm not. Thanks very much. And she came out. and But she spoke and she told her mother about it and she told me about it. And she's 12 I, years of age. 12 years of age. Now, she's tall enough for 12. Mm. But you still know the way she's dressed. She's only a child. Now, in God's name, what, there needs to be control, at least, for a start. How, in God's name, she could have been very impressionable at that age. Now, she's, she's a bit like me, her grandmother. You know, she's her own person and she'll decide what she'll do. She won't be led by anybody. Thanks be to God, is all I can say. Because she could just as easily, if she got in with some of her friends and felt, you know, the whole peer pressure thing, if they thought we'll try them, she'd try them. So then there she goes, getting hooked on this thing at 12 years of age when she'll be at home playing the dolls. You know, it's totally, totally yeah. crazy. And I, I'm trying to get a grip on, on, on this. It, seemingly the sale of e-cigarettes to under-18s, it's still not against the law, despite, no. despite the fact that health officials uh, are, are saying that, you know, it, it, it should be regulated in some way. But seemingly it's not against the law. No, that seems to be the case. And it's only actually yesterday evening on the news I heard that. Up to then, I was of the belief that I could have reported this particular shop and this particular individual mm. for, you know, given the idea even to my granddaughter that she could even purchase these, much less use them. And you see, what's happening now, young people now think this is the fashion. And they're out there and they're puffing these rooms. It's cool, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. Oh, the cool dudes now having this, you know. And the thing is, they're also geared for young people. They have all these flavours. I've yeah. done a bit of research on it. They have all of these flavours now, which is encouraging more yes. people to use them because it's the money in them. If control isn't brought in, there's going to be much more health problems with these vapes than there have ever been with cigarette smoking. And just to play and, devil's advocate here for a moment, Joan, yeah. Ken told us yesterday, I mean, he, he was a very heavy smoker and he said that he'd be probably dead or in bad condition health-wise only for vapes because that's what got him off the cigarettes. Well, so right, let's use them as the tools for which they came in in the guise they were to be used for as an aid to give up smoking. Mm. Why not make them so that they got on a prescription or something like that and can only get so many of them for so long? So if they are such a great thing and they're working to that end and people, they are helping people giving up smoking, fair enough. But they're not, that isn't what, how they're used. Mm. It's like saying, like, anodines are good for everything. You know, or you can go in, you can buy a packet of paracetamol and you can eat the whole packet if you like. I mean, we have no control over anything anymore. And of course, well, we, we heard that story last week about the the, the young kids in, in care, you know, whatever they inhaled through a vape, they ended up collapsing, yeah. you know. So. Yeah, and this is the 
danger, you yeah. see. They haven't a clue. They don't know what they're dealing with even, you know. And you can't even, when you're socialising now, thank God the cigarette smoking was stopped and you had a bit of pleasure. Mm. But lo and behold, anywhere you go now, they're facing it on top of you. So you're nearly as bad as you were with the cigarette smoking. Do, do you have yeah. concerns about that, that you're you're inhaling secondhand yes. vape smoke yes, I or have. steam or whatever I, it is? Yes, I have a huge concern with that. And mm. anyone that doesn't have, I think, needs to get their head examined, to be honest with you. Mm. They are puffing out their least kind of stuff inside in those. I don't think anyone even fully knows what exactly is inside in them. But they're laden with all kinds of chemicals. And they're puffing them in and they're puffing them out on top of you. And long ago, you had a passive smoker. You'll mm. have a passive vapor now one of these days. That's yeah, there's some studies in the States. I think there's some lung condition now that's associated with uh, vaping as well. So as yes. you say, that of will course. add to health yeah. problems. Did you ever smoke yeah. yourself, Joan? Many years ago, when I was young and impressionable <laughs> and I thought it was the thing to do, but I soon got sense. And know. did you have any trouble giving them up? Oh God, no, none at no, all, none no. whatsoever. No, I just, I, I just puffed them for the sake of doing it, and then I realised these are horrible, dirty-looking yokes, yeah. and they don't make me look cool. They make me look bloody <laughs> stupid. The only thing was, as my father said, the only thing that's missing is a chimney on your head. You know. So when you're given those kinds yes. of ideas. You soon cop yourself on. I you suppose. Know? But that's how people began smoking, is that it was peer because pressure. It's what everybody oh, was yeah. doing at the time. Everybody you know? was doing it, so you decided, sure, I'll have a try of this, like, you know, and then you puffed away. And, you know, yeah. I wouldn't have been an inhaler or anything, thanks to God, and maybe that's what stood to me. But I think no matter what we want to do in life, where there's a will, there's a way, as far as I'm concerned. I, I was also you. making up in my head what it would have cost. Um, Ken, uh, three packs a day. I think the cigarettes are about 15, are they? 15, 16 euro a pack? I have no idea. At the moment. Yes. So that would be about 60, 70 euro a day smoking. Yeah, my God almighty. Well, I know in my time, and when I gave up smoking, I got a little box and I said, any time I would have bought a packet of fags, as we called them in the day, yeah. I threw the money into the box. Did you? And, and I had a nice little bit of money. Now, it did take a while, about six months before I had anything worth talking about. But I was able to go out and buy myself a new dress and a you pair see, of shoes. Of course. You know? Of course, yeah. yeah. yeah and that just really shows the practicality. Yeah, what are, what are you making about the cost of living, Joan, or the cost of energy and all of oh, that? Oh, kind of my God. It's totally crazy, to be honest with you. Again, it, control is the word, I think. Now, and it's not a word I would use easily because mm. it's not something I would like anyone to be trying to control me and they're not born yet and their mother is dead. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, <laughs> no, we, somebody needs to call stop is what's happening here. And I think particularly the energy companies, they're just given the right of way to do what they like. And handing out these 200 euros here, there and everywhere to everybody is totally ludicrous, of course. And the thing is, who's going to gain out of that? The energy companies again. Yeah, who so are making huge is, profits yeah, anyway. Anyway, yeah. anyway. It's criminal. To be honest with you, what's happening in our world today is purely criminal. The way people are gaining out of war. Really. Out of war, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What What about this winter coming? I mean, between the cost of food going, I was looking at the papers today. The cost of food has gone through the yeah. roof. Well, I think they won't need they much need for uni slim at the end of the winter anyway. <laughs> to be honest with you, most people won't be able to eat and all the stuff they were eating before. They so we'll be, be skinny and cold. We'll be skinny They'll and be, cold, Joan. You'll be skinny. <laughs> well, you see, you need a certain amount of body heat, like the body fat, to 
keep you warm. <laughs> so we'll be on the resources that we have. We'll be also skinny. We'll be looking for, instead of looking for uni slim, we'll be looking for put on weight. <laughs> well, I, I could do with that, Joe. Yeah, I could do with that. Well, well there'll be great sale on, on warm jumpers and thermal I'd, underwear I'd so. anyway. I'd say so, so indeed. Yeah, Joan, okay. it was a pleasure to talk to you and thanks Not for coming on with me, Joan. Thank you. No problem. Thank Brad. you. Bye bye to you now. Bye bye. That's Joan this morning. How do you feel about that? 1800 938 We'll take a break and we'll be speaking to somebody who's rather expert indeed about vaping. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Lawrence was on to us from Thurnus, and this is going back to our discussion about flooding in uh, Thurnus. And he's making the point that trees have a lot uh, to. Uh, play with the flooding in Thurlis, especially in Friar Street outside of Bowes. Uh, that's on Bowes Corner there. Uh, the leaves are constantly finding their way down the side street and blocking all of the gullies. They should all be cut down, in my opinion. No need for them, says Lawrence. But of course there's a drive to uh, have more and more trees in our town centres at the moment. So it's interesting to think about that. Will the results be that the um, the shores are, are blocked if they're not looked after properly. Derek Cagney is the owner of the Modified Vapes franchise and he joins me now. Derek, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And really good to talk to you today, Derek. Um, you yourself, even though you're selling vapes, you have concerns around the regulation. Is that fair to say, Derek? Yeah, I think we've, 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 we've lost control um, slightly, you know, as... Uh, uh, from 2016, uh, when Minister Harris um, put us into the Tobacco Directive Group, um, the HSE came on board and everything was regulated fairly uh, stringent. The only thing they never done was um, raise the legal age to 18 or 21. Mm-hmm. Um, we had good control of, of customer awareness and stuff like that prior to the disposables going on the market. Um, since they've come out, I suppose, 14, 16 months ago. Um, everywhere selling. So there's no control whatsoever. Um, and it's, it's a huge concern for us, you know. And uh, the, when you say everywhere, are you telling me the shops outside of, like, your franchise, for example? Ordinary shops can sell these? Oh, every, every shop in the country nearly sells disposables at this stage, from discount stores to to phone repair shops everywhere. Right, you know? So no, no regulation everywhere. whatsoever on that then? No, 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 no whatsoever. Like, and, you know, at the end of the day, like, it is regulated by the HSE, you know. Um, would, and, you, would you explain that to me, Derek? Because I was reading that, but how, how is it regulated by the HSE? Well, so simple. So in, on the 20th of May 2016, uh, Minister Harris decided that the HSE were going to control the, the vaping in, in Ireland. Um, it was a European directive, so yes. we were put in the same group as the tobacco group, okay? Yes. Which kind of didn't make sense to us at the time because we're not anyway related to tobacco products. But at the same time, it was their way of controlling it, so that was fine. Mm. So what they what they decided to do was 
every item that came into Ireland to be sold in Ireland had to go for testing. And you would submit your product. It would spend six months um, being tested. You would pay for it to be tested. And they would decide whether it was good enough or not to go on the market. Right. So you then would be issued with an ECID number. And you could only sell products that came through that path. Correct. Correct. Now, the, the, the other side of that is vape shops then would have good knowledge of the product because of, you know, the submission to the HSE mm. and they would have good product awareness. The staff would be trained on the product and they'd be a little bit more involved in standard vaping than what there is to these disposables. Yes. So other shops had no appeal to having vapes because you needed way more training, you needed better knowledge of product, product awareness, et cetera, et cetera. But with mm. these disposables that have come out, you need to know nothing. All you need to do is display them, sell them, and that's it. But Derek, do they not have to go through the HSE then at all? Yeah, and that this is, and they, they, they would. They still, they still have to be submitted. But the fact that there's no training or there's no product awareness required on them, there's right. a leaflet in the box. Um, they expect everyone to read the leaflet. I would definitely say I've never seen anybody open a package and read the leaflet um, where if it was isolated in vape stores only you could sit there and you can address and talk to the customer plus you get to choose who you serve you know um, that isn't there anymore the disposable market has destroyed that now the IBVA Irish uh, Vintners Vape Association have already submitted to uh, government that that there's a national ban on disposables. And this was done prior to this getting out of control, which it has. Mm. And it's only now they're actually taking note of it, you know? And and is it a bit late at this point? Because the market uh, appears to be flooded with these things. Uh. Is it ever too late? I remember prior to 2016, before, before they brought us into the tobacco directive, um, it was getting a bit like it is now, you know, there was kind of no control and then the HSE come on board and put in these 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 rules and regulations and we had to abide by them and all the stuff that was going on prior to 2016 started filtering out and we started to get control again. You know, the HSE would visit your store, they might take some liquid away, they'll test it. If they found you not to be doing something correct, you would be prosecuted, you'd be brought to court. With the disposable market, it takes all that away. So the minute it's banned, Vape stores, again, will become in control. You'll have to rely on the HSE then to control the vape stores. You know, there's none of this uncertainty anymore, you know? Now, could I put it to you that because you own a franchise, that you would say that, wouldn't you? Because this is taking money, I suppose, from your business. It's not really, Fran, me directly now, and that's being honest with you. Uh, I would have imported a lot of disposables. I would have imported a lot of liquids. Um, and I would be part of one of the largest liquid groups in the world. Mm. It's 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 not. It doesn't sit comfortable with us in the vape industry. I spoke to two or three people this morning uh, prior to coming on in relation to their views, and these are people that are way up the pecking order above me. People that are manufacturing, mm. and you know, they're even gone to the stage that you know they're not interested in the disposable market. The, the disposable market is 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 something that can't be controlled and I think if you're selling a product like this you need to have control right and is you it know, damaging your 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 product I suppose in some way because is uh, it getting really, in a bad name to some degree 
Well, it's it's it's, dab- it's it's dab- it's damaging the vape reputa- reputation. Okay? Yes. So the, yeah. so the 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 older generation who who decided to quit smoking, started vaping, and have been quite successful and seem to be living a healthier, happier mm. life. Well, Ken, um, Ken, who spoke to I'm not sure if you heard it, Derek, but Ken spoke to us yesterday. He was on about 60 cigarettes a day, and he said that he'd be still smoking them because he tried everything else only for vaping. Yeah, I, look, that story, I can reiterate that a million times. I have one gentleman, I'll never forget it, he came into me, he was purple from, from coughing, purple in colour, and he was a chronic asthmatic, uh, living in Kilkenny, lovely man, in his early 70s. And he came into me one morning and he said, I want to give this vape a go. And I looked at him and I said to myself, this poor old creator had no chance, you know, he's, mm. he's, 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 he's a chronic smoker, you know. Mm. And he, he sat down and I didn't even have the heart to, to, to bring him to the cabinet and show him different vapes. I gave him a starter kit. I actually gave it to him. Mm. And I said, look, see how you go, you know, take it away and see how you go. And I remember him leaving the store and I said to myself, He'll be smoking by lunchtime, you know, because number, you know, he's just had it too long. Yeah. And all the while, it didn't cure his asthma or whatever else. But his quality of life now, and his whole colour and his whole attitude, and he's up and down John Street there. You know, it, it's it's changed his whole life, you know. And that's yeah. what vaping was brought. That, that's why vaping was created. And and, and that's uh, the essence of it. But of course, it has become a kind of a, a fashion accessory now in, oh, in, 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 in some way. Uh, would you tell me about the regulation that is there? I mean, can you sell to under 18s, for example? Yes, yes, we can. And this is even this, though there's totally nicotine wrong. in the product. Correct. So the, correct, Ryan. So it seems to be that the legal age isn't clear in Ireland, okay? Yes. It isn't clear in Europe, okay? The recommended age on the packaging is 18, and it's only a recommended age. Right. Now, if we sell a product with no nicotine in it, we can give it to a four-year-old, which is wrong as well. You know, I think all vape-related products or anything that could cause an addiction or a habit or, you know, what you know anything in that circle should be at least minimum of 18, if not 21. Right. You know? And you'd have it's no problem with that. Oh, God, no problem whatsoever. No friend. problem with it. Okay. But I mean, I'm a father myself, you know. Of course. But just in terms of, I mean, can you sell a nicotine product? I'm not saying that you would, but can you sell it to a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old? Look, friend, you wouldn't do it full stop. I know, uh, I know that, but I'm just saying well, you I, could. I could saying. you? You could. Right. And there's nothing, nothing the Gardaí can't do anything about that. Or? The Gardaí can't. I think... It's so unclear at the moment. It's ridiculous. I mean, if you well, I'm go glad on, you're saying that because I was trying to read on it, Derek, and I can't get anything clear. You won't, you won't, you okay, won't. You right. won't get anything clear. Yeah. At one stage when you'd Google it, it used to say 16 was the legal age, okay? Right. Which meant then 14-year-olds thought they were close to 16, so that was okay. Do you know? And the same as if it's 18, 16-year-olds uh, think, well, sure, I'm nearly 18. It's okay. So that's why 21 is probably the better age because then you have 18-year-olds that think it's okay, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, a difficult one, friend. Yeah, one one thing that I'm Google say it is illegal for a retailer to sell tobacco products or nicotine inhaling products to anybody under eighteen. But in in Correct. another one that I googled, then it says that that legislation hasn't been put in place. So I, I Correct. Don't know. I don't Correct. Know. And it, now I I do believe that 
by January of next year that there will be no disposable in the market. Going by the IVVA and and going by ministers and that talking to the IVVA and the industry itself, other shop owners and stuff like that. Right. They've all got together and like we do want we do want this ban, you know. Right. You know. Will you tell me about the content? Because this is this has people in sense as well. And Joan okay. was on to us there and she said we don't know what's in these things. Now okay, you're saying so that the HSE has to give approval. Yes. So if you buy a product or any vape product, you'll notice on the front of it, like a package of cigarettes, that there's a black and white warning. This black and white warning must take up at least 33% of the packaging. And if that packaging doesn't have the warning on it in English and in Irish and Gaelic, that product hasn't been certified for the Irish market. Okay? Right. right. So that's a no-no straight away. If that product has got that warning on it, then it has gone through the HSE system. In relation to the ingredients, so we obviously have our nicotine, propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin, and then flavouring, okay? Right. Now, all four of those items would have to be certified as well, you know? So it's not like just somebody in the back of a shed mixing up stuff and putting it in and putting this in and putting that in. That's not the case. They're all done in a pharmaceutical environment, okay? Mm. Um, there's factories there that I have sent customers to as as visitors to see how it's done and how it's produced. Um, right, because there is this impression that this is all dodgy stuff that's happening and yeah, we don't really know what it is we're inhaling and all of that. Yeah, All this carry-on. Like, pop, like in, the, in the very beginning of all this, the, the, there was... You know, you had the tobacco companies didn't want this to happen, okay? Yes. Because, you know, the price of cigarettes, um, the money, the revenue that was coming from cigarettes um, started dropping. So tobacco companies really frowned upon it. And, you know, the, 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 the scaremongering that was out there was unbelievable. I, re- I think I remember about eight years ago, Fran, you mentioned it on, on, on the radio. And um, the scaremongering was crazy. You know, vapes exploding, yeah, vapes yeah. setting light to houses, people with popcorn lung. Yeah. And now the tobacco companies are our biggest threat at the moment because they're now developing e-cigarettes. So Malbord, all these huge companies, Gallagher Groups, they're now trying to take control of the vape industry. And they're, they're, very, they're very deep pockets, of course. Needless they're deep well. pockets, yeah. yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. But in relation to the product itself, Fran, it's so well tested and it's so well right. treated by the HSE. And like anyone that doesn't do it correctly is in big trouble. You right. know? Will, will you tell me about the non-nicotine vapes then? What, what, okay. is, what is the notion behind that? The notion behind non-nicotine vapes. Okay, so it's simple. So you're a smoker of 40 cigarettes a day. You, 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 you started on an 18 milligram of nicotine and you weaned your way down. I think I heard somebody said that they were down to a six or something yesterday. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. So basically what happens then, you go from a 6 to a 3 and a 3 to a 0. Some people go from a 6 to a 0. So Mm. something without nicotine, they still have that hand-to-mouth. Smoking isn't just all about the nicotine. It's a physical habit as well. It's a hand-to-mouth. And, and, you know, more times than often you'll see people with a vape, they'll pick up a vape, they'll take a pull of it, they'll put it down, they'll pick it up again a second Mm. later. And Mm. it's like a soother in their hand, okay? Mm. And, and, And the reason for that is because... To use a vape correctly, you need to pick it up. You need to vape five or six or seven long vapes, the same as you would a cigarette, and mm. then put it down. But because you only pick it up for that split second, take it full, 
you're getting nothing. You know, you're not getting enough to suppress the longing for a cigarette. Right. right. So that's where the, this, this, uh, like a dummy in their hand, uh, like a soother in their hand, comes about. But in relation to zero, it's 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 for people that have managed to kick the habit of of nicotine, mm. and they still like the comfort of picking up a, a vape, and they still like to to, to use the zero. You know, I've, right. I've, mul- I've multiple of people. Use and what about multiple. the accusation, Derek, that you know you're filling these full of you know nice tasting vapors so that it will eventually bring kids on to to uh, taking uh, nicotine products? Yeah. So. When somebody comes into me and if they when want I say to you, more, by the way, I mean the business. I don't mean you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You well, I want to use me as an example because okay. I'm on the radio. So if somebody comes in into me and and they they want to quit smoking, they're twenty a day. I'd ask them what brand of cigarette they were smoking, and I try to match the vape as close to the cigarette that they were smoking. Okay, because number one, what you want to do is you want to replace the 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 vape for the cigarette, okay? okay? And it has to be some way comparable for them to be successful, okay? In, in strength, is it? Uh, not in strength, in, in flavour and oh, taste. flavour and taste, okay. In, in, in throat hit, there's so many different elements. Throat hit, um, the amount of vape they get, the amount of nicotine they get. So there's, there's three or four different elements, depending on the person. So once you've established that, and once they've started vaping, and they realise that the nicotine that's going into their system is is working for them, then they try to get away from that tobacco smell or flavour or taste. And, you know, they, they tend to drift away from a tobacco flavour and they just, they might decide to go with menthol, which is a very common one. Mm. Menthol is probably the most common one because it's fresh and, you know, like after I'm chewing. Yeah, and they're yeah. still getting their, their nicotine. In relation to other people, some people don't like menthol. So they, they'll, they'll have a strawberry mint or they, they'll have just a straight strawberry or whatever the case may be. Um. And and you find that once the older generation go onto a flavour, they'll never go back to the tobacco flavour because their mouth feels fresher, mm. they feel fresher, they feel cleaner. You know, it's all about getting rid of that horrible tobacco-y feeling, you know? Mm. So that's that's where that came about, you know? And there was flavours there from day one. It wasn't like flavours had just been created because of disposables or because of youngsters or whatever. Now, I'm not saying that some of the packaging doesn't target the younger generation. Because well, that was my next I question to you, because it's obvious that it does, doesn't it? Oh, without a shadow of a mm. doubt. But yeah. these, these are normally companies that aren't running within the, the, the remits of the HSE. These are companies that are, products are coming in on the, the, the let's call it the black market, mm. or they're coming in online. And that's a huge issue. A huge, huge issue. That, you know? and, and why? Because you don't know really, I suppose, the content of the liquid. Is that you have it? no idea. You have no traceability. You have no source. And like disposables as well, like beyond no illusion, every disposable that comes into Ireland or into Europe is coming from China. Where when we had just vape itself before disposable, we could control where the liquid came from. And we'd make sure, well, I certainly would make sure that everything came from Europe. So we had full traceability that we had the ECID numbers correct, that we had batch numbers correct, sell by dates correct, everything. With with disposables, we've lost that control. And this is what I'm saying to you. The control is gone now, you know? Can I ask you, and I know you won't be specific, uh, but, I mean, there are some outlets that look, I'm trying to be kind about this, but they look kind of dodgy as well. Do you need to be careful where you're buying your vapes? Well... I suppose there's two ways of looking at it, Fran, okay? 
I suppose it's the same as you going for something to eat or it's something for you going for something to drink or whatever the case may be. People tend to know where the best vape shops are, okay? Mm. Um, if something doesn't look right, it isn't right, right. you know? Yeah. Um, the HSE guidelines are very, very, very strict. So these people who want to put up pop-up shops or whatever you'd like to call them, they won't last long. They may, they'll only be there two minutes because a good, reputable vape store won't allow a bad one beside it. Right. You know? And it's can they be closed down if they don't have HSE oh, governance? Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. Oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, okay. you know, they, they can come into the shop, they can take all your stock, your content, and the HSE have done that. Right. And they've recalled products. Um, last year they recalled a product and they got in touch with me. They asked me, had I the product? I said, no. Um, did I know anyone that did have the products? Um, I didn't. But they, they went to town for, I think, two months. They, they travelled the length and breadth of Ireland. And there was nothing wrong with the product. The information leaflet inside was wrong. And they still took it off the shelf throughout Ireland because of the leaflet. And finally, can I ask you, you know, I mean, we heard stories, sad stories a little bit about youngsters, you know, collapsing after yeah, vaping and one thing yeah. or another. Have you, can you mix your own vape? Can yeah, you? This, is, this is the scary bit, Fran. This is the scary bit. So a disposable vape can be opened and disassembled very, very easily. Um, small cartridge inside, whatever you choose to put in that cartridge, the vape will vape it. Um, that can be added from washing up liquid to anything. You, it will vape it because it's a heating a heating element. So whatever's in there, it will heat and it will it will create a vape. Um, that's the scary bit. And that's another good reason for disposables to be banned. You know. So in in that case, disposables can be used uh, as a I don't know for for anything. I suppose really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can see where you're coming from, Fran. It can be used for anything. And I was talking to a gentleman this morning, Fahim Samuel, in the UK. And he's uh, the owner of IVG, or one of the co-owners of IVG, who would be one of the biggest liquid producers in the world. And he was telling me this morning that there was even an underground market in the UK between the schools and the colleges um, for this kind of thing. It's 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 crazy. And that's why we need to ban it here, because the sooner we ban it... Um, the sooner it's all over, you know. Right, and just for clarity then, okay, you, you think that the disposable should be banned. Give, give me your thoughts on, on age group then. What, what are you saying? Over over? Me 18? personally, 21. 21. Me personally, 21. For, for, nic- personally. for nicotine-based? For nicotine products, yeah. Okay. I, I, that's only my own personal opinion, you know. Um, there's a lot of people out there could argue the point. But then again, if you have a young lad who is smoking from 16, 17... He gets to the age of 18. Should he have the alternative of being able to quit smoking by using the vape? Uh, probably. Probably. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. you know, there's a, there's, there's, there's a case. But there should be something there, some kind of guidelines that we can walk to. At the minute, we're working towards nothing, you know. Did, did you smoke yourself at any point? I did. Yeah. I did, Fran, yeah. yeah. I am now five years off. Five. Through, through vaping? Through vaping, yeah. Right. Through vaping. Yeah, it was one of the reasons I started vaping. To be honest, when I when I when I when I first decided to quit, the vapes were very poor quality. It was uh, uh, it was just it was very very poor, and yes. they were coming in through markets, and they were coming in through different um, websites and stuff like that. And then I decided to try and source something that was uh, a better product for myself. And then I got it for myself. Then I got it for some of my friends, and then it just escalated from there. And now we're probably you know, one of the largest um, 
we, we were one of the largest importers up to last November until we decided to um, uh, sell off part of that business. So yeah, you, you you're from Cashel originally. Derek. I am. Yeah, sure. I, I know. Am. I know your. I know all your family. You do. You I do. do. I you do, do indeed. Well, Derek, you listen. Do. We wish you the very best, and thank you so much for yeah. for coming on with us today. Thank, thank you. you so much for thank having you. me, friend. Thank, thank you. you. Look after yourself. Bye bye, Gina. Now. That's uh, Derek Cagney there, originally from Cashel and uh, owner of Modified Vapes. Uh, franchise uh, 1800-938-007 the text and whatsapp is 083-311-3311 if it matters to you it matters to us call tip today on 1-800-938-007 tip fm's tip today with fran curry in association with slatteries of pecan tipperary's main peugeot dealer Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. This one says they're all vaping in pubs now, Fran. Is this uh, illegal? Well, Mr. Google tells me that vaping is not covered by the Irish smoking ban. Um, which bans, you know, obviously smoking in these venues, but th- there's no law against it, seemingly. But it depends on house rules because managers set the rules and they can allow or disallow vaping, I suppose, as they please. Um, again, I wonder what do you think about that. Should vaping be allowed in public houses? Uh, Mick was on to say, just been in AIB in Tipperary Town, Fran. Queue out the door. I counted 10 in the queue. Only one cashier open. And then they come on the news and say nobody is using the banks. And that's kind of interesting because do you know what I've noticed recently? And I wonder, have you noticed as well? Do you think that people are going back to using cash? Now, I seem to see uh, more people using cash now as opposed to tapping the uh, the old credit cards. Maybe, maybe maybe it's just perception or something, I'm not sure. Uh, Billy was on to say, Fran, in UK, France, Sweden, Germany, and most of Europe, the legal age to vape is 18. Uh, the UK government updated uh, the laws around vaping in 2015, and it's illegal to sell vape, vaping products to anybody under the age of 18. Ireland is an outlier in regard to allowing the under-18s to vape, says Billy. Thank you for that very comprehensive uh, information, Billy. Fair play to you. Uh, let's go back to the phones, and Pat is with me. Pat, good morning to you. Good morning, Pat. How are you? Good to talk to you. Pat, you have no faith at all in vapes. No, no, I don't. Um, I was a heavy smoker in, in my youth. I probably started when I was 18, and uh, when I was giving up the cigarettes, I suppose, when I was about 30, I'd say, um, through peer pressure or whatever it was, I was smoking maybe three packets a day. Wow. Uh, it could be, say, 40 to 50 cigarettes a day by three packets. I remember the price of 20 million was £3.70, I think, when I get them up. That's it not was, today nor yesterday, Pat. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, But uh, uh, there was no vapes there at the time. Um, I don't think there was that other product there, that stuff, the patch you put in your hand. Yes. In your I don't think that was available either. It was pure, pure willpower. To give up cigarettes. And that, that's how you gave up, and you were on a, a habit of 40 to 50 a day. Oh, I was unreal. I, I actually, when I give up the cigarettes, uh, you never give up cigarettes on the 1st of January or the 1st of Lent. Right. Because the first, no, that time, people would ask you, oh, what did you give up? What did you give up? You know, give up yeah. the drink, give up the cigarettes, give up this. They're constantly reminding you. You know, and, it, and no matter how much you try, and I often tried it on the 1st of January, I often tried it on the 1st of Lent to give it up and failed within two days. 
uh, because, again, I was being reminded every time. Of well, course. And how did you manage to stay off them? I just stopped one day. One day I just decided uh, that, that I stopped. I smoked my last three cigarettes, one after the other. And uh, I said, that's it. I'm giving up. That was a Sunday night. I told no one. Um, we, I continued during the week. Uh, I got an awful pain in my chest around about Thursday or Friday and uh, didn't know what it was. Went up to the hospital, and uh, it was a, a withdrawal symptoms for the nicotine. My and, God. Uh, and were they, you climbing the walls? I wasn't, no, I no. wasn't. Uh, I just got this awful pain in my chest and um, wondering what it was. But it was the withdrawal symptoms of the, of the nicotine uh, in the cigarette. And uh, by Saturday night, when we were going out Saturday night, uh, I just said it to my wife. I said, uh, did you not notice anything during the week? And she said, no. And uh, I said, I haven't smoked a cigarette. And she was absolutely delighted. Because I can imagine. I was trying to tell me to give up cigarettes. And as I bought the first drink, I suddenly got a longing for a cigarette. And I said, God, I said, I think I'll buy a pack. Don't, she said, don't. Wait till tomorrow. Mm. Which is she's very good as regards that. Wait yes. till tomorrow and try it in. You know, so I give it up completely. And uh, by the following week or thereabouts, I got the most awful news because the lungs started to clear out. And, yes. and uh, then I was beginning to get infections, which I wasn't, you know, like like everything. Cool. But I delighted to have given up the cigarettes. And, you know, after you got over the infections and, and, and that, did it make a huge difference to your life, Pat? Huge difference. Huge difference. Um, I remember, and, 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 and you probably know that I lost a leg through diabetes. Sure. And uh, through yeah. cardiovascular problems. And my surgeon said to me, he said, uh, "Did you do you smoke? He said, and I said, no. When he was testing my, my, my pains, do you do you smoke? And I said, no, I don't. And uh, when did you smoke? And I said, oh, God, it must be 40 years ago. Uh, there are about probably 35 years ago, I'd say, definitely. And uh, he said, you're a lucky man. He said. And um, when the operations were finished, he said, you are a lucky man who wasn't a smoker. Because he said, I'd be taking the two legs, he said, from the hip. And, My uh, God. Because that's what cigarettes do to your uh, cardiovascular system. Isn't that uh, incredible? What about the issues you have with vaping, Pat? With vaping, I, I, to be quite honest with you, friend, um, I, I, I never, I know my son tried vaping once and uh, he didn't like it and I was totally against it because I said there's no regulation. Mm. Now, I had your previous speaker there on and uh, he gave a very good uh, insight into the vaping business mm. itself. Yeah. Now, the, the other aspect of it is that the disposable vapes which are uh, which are, uh, are not regulated, mm. and uh, these can be taken bought by ten, twelve, eleven year olds, yeah. whatever the case may be, yeah. and they're specifically designed for for the youth, like with the flavours that are inside them. Because I've done a little bit of research on them uh, since you were speaking about these things, and to be quite honest with you, they're frightening. You know, an ordinary cigarette say, has seven thousand chemicals inside it, six hundred and fifty chemicals, which is not lit. But the minute you light it, it generates seven thousand chemicals. And cancer causing or head causing. I know so you were telling Emma as well that you're particularly concerned. You're seeing young girls. Uh, you no, know, I, I have said before, and, and, and I've noticed that the amount of young girls coming out from schools or, or walking the streets, I mean, you know, going home from school, are smoking. And it, 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 is, it is amazing that, that, that these girls are uh, fashion conscious or whatever the case may be, mm. and maybe it is fashionable now to have a cigarette. I don't know. And maybe it is fashionable to have a vape on your on your person and go to school and whatever it is. I just don't like it. And I think that by inhaling some of those products that are heat generated, um, 
they've even increased the strength of my tank by increasing the, 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 the amount of, of, of power that, they, that the heat has done. Uh, yeah, this, you see, when Derek was saying they can interfere with these uh, disposable yes. ones, yeah. and they yeah. can. I, I, I presume that's what happened here in, in chaos, gas, whatever. Well, we, whatever yeah, well, we don't know about those situations. Uh, yeah. Something strange happened, and and to be, be, be quite honest, you know, there's no people, no people have no problem taking in other ingested problems, uh, substances into their system. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So vapes is going to be just. The normal practice, they don't even think twice about it, you know. Do you find it hard to believe that we're one of the few countries in Europe now that don't have proper legislation around this and regulation around this? Well, I, I did see now that, that I did look into the HSE and I looked into the Irish Cancer Society as well to see what their um, uh, issue is with, with vapes and, 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 and whatever the case may be. And I also looked at the possibilities as well as what damages do vapes cause to the system. Mm. And... Uh, there's not enough of data out there yet, to, to, and it's probably still at its infantile stage. Stage that um, you maybe have to be a long-term vape user. Uh, I've heard Derek there speaking about it. Uh, there can be anything from zero up to 20 milligrams of, of nicotine inside mm. of it. You know, and you can get them at different strengths down along. Yes. Like a cigarette, if you inhale a cigarette, your nicotine content inside it can be anything up to just uh, 15 milligrams. You know. And uh, if you compare, make a comparison between a cigarette and an, e, an e-cigarette, uh, 10 puffs of a cigarette would give you up to maybe 1.1 to 4 milligrams of nicotine into the system. 10 puffs of an e-cigarette uh, would give you up to 15 milligrams. Right, you see. This is the thing that... And, and, and Derek was right there when he said about the, the uh, tobacco companies. Marlboro are one of the biggest... Um, uh, what do you call it? One of the biggest uh, producers of 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 jewel, the one in the states. Right. So and they they've gotten in on this now. They've gotten well. in on this because uh, once there's nicotine inside it, and nicotine is a byproduct of of tobacco, mm. and that's a, a drug that goes into your brain and it it, it causes you to have um, a sense that uh, with the dopamine that's inside in the in the system, that yeah. the sense of of feeling good. The brain. Of course, and that's where, where, where the addiction comes from. Do you ever still do you ever still crave a cigarette, Pat? No, no. no. There was at that time when you'd, you'd wake up and you'd, you'd get a taste of a cigarette, but I don't. And I have no problem being around people that smoke. I don't. I don't. Mm. Maybe it's just because uh, you might get a hit from it. You know. <laughs> yeah. But I, we don't allow smoking in the house, and I don't. I don't like it. The best thing ever happened was no smoking in pubs. Yeah. Uh, because now you can go into a pub, and if you are after giving up cigarettes, you certainly don't want the smell of smoke around the place. You know, of course, uh, because of attract course. you again. You well, know. Pat, I'm delighted that you kicked the habit, and uh, thanks very much indeed for coming on with me, Pat. Thank well, you. Well, good, good morning to you. That's uh, Pat speaking to us this morning. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on, your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle. Call the lads in Slattery's Garage Puck On on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 
Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Brian is in Clock Jordan and he says, Good morning, Fran. I used to work as a doorman in the UK and we had a no vaping rule just in case somebody did try to have a cigarette in the venue. Um, and I was making that point that it seems to me that people are reverting back to using cash, but as I say, it could be just perception. But one of our listeners wants to say, Fran, it's easier budget with cash and it's legal tender, I'd be willing to bet that there's more fraud happening now with regard to money than ever before with online banking because nothing is 100% safe. Well, yeah, I'm of that vintage. I prefer to deal in cash too, to be honest. But um, during COVID, we were all pushed into tapping like mad and then you don't know really how much you're spending you see 083 311 for every problem there's a solution dear phil on tip today with phil prendergast phil good morning good morning friend good to see you as always we will launch straight in because the letters are here in front of me the first one says dear phil my partner and i are both in our 60s and we've both been widowed We've been seeing each other for about four years and we have a great time together. He's wonderful, he's gentle and funny and I enjoy our time together. Recently he said that he felt he would like our relationship to progress further and would love for us to move in together. To be honest, I wasn't expecting this and I replied that maybe we were better to stay living apart. He was very hurt by this and asked why I wasn't open to the idea. Honestly, I like that I have my own space and he has his. I worry that if we were in each other's pockets that the relationship would not be the same. I look forward to meeting him and I think that would end if we were together all of the time. I've lived by myself since my husband died 15 years ago and I like my own space. I worry that by saying no I will crush him and he will reconsider our relationship. Should I take a risk and try it? I'm very conflicted at this point. She's right to be conflicted. Um, the relationship sounds like it's a grand relationship yeah. and there's not Fun one thing... and easy going. Absolutely. And, yeah. and part of it is the fact that they don't live together and why on earth would you want to go and live with someone in your 60s yeah. after being widowed for 15 years? They're having a great time. They're having dates. They leave each other at the end of the night. What is not to love about that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind she of... she points out that she looks forward Absolute, then to the Absolutely. And, and, you know... He was hurt by it because I suppose he had been ruminating and thinking, this is a great thing and it's the next step. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes you don't have to have next steps in relationship. It can be just fine as it is. And Particularly if it. it's working. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would I would say that, um, you know, she, she mentions maybe three times that she really likes her own space. And I think that that's part of the charm of this relationship mm. and the fact that they're not living in each other's ears. And I, I certainly wouldn't break something um, that isn't broken. I wouldn't try and fix something that isn't broken. I think she should keep the relationship as it is. Mm. And, uh, you know, if, if that bothers them to that extent and they've been together for, for four years, um, you know, I mean, she starts by saying they have a great time. He's wonderful, gentle and funny and I really enjoy our time together. She just leave it alone. She doesn't need to do another thing. She doesn't need to do another thing. Mm. All she needs to do is say, no, I really don't want to move in or I don't want you to move in. I want this to continue the way it is um, if that's okay. And if he decides to go on that basis, that's coercion and she should just, it's not a loss. Yeah, I mean, she knows the measure of the man. Absolutely, absolutely. But I do, I do think that sometimes people think that there should be another stage and that this is the time to do this. And if it's 
it's clearly not the time and somebody is really enjoying the relationship as it is. Yes. It's not broken. Don't be trying to fix it. Yeah, through the social dancing, I know lots of people who the only time they meet is when they arrive at the dance. They dance together. They have a lovely evening. They say goodnight. And Isn't that time. lovely, though? And it's, it's gorgeous perfect. and it works yeah. so well. You don't well, look at them know? the next morning. I think it's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But when this, uh, this lady says that, you know, she's wondering, should she risk it and try it and that she's conflicted, I mean, that's... Yeah, she's, you know, she's she's worried because obviously there's kind of a bit of pressure on her, but mm. I, I think, you know, she has a perfect relationship with them and she should just say, look, I like what we have and I don't really want to change this. Let's move on to letter number two. Uh, dear Phil, I've been married to, to my husband for 20 years and lately I find he's just driving me mad. He has habits that I once found endearing, but now they drive me absolutely crazy. He has a way of blowing his nose that completely goes through me. I've asked him not to do it in front of me, but he says I'm unreasonable. But then he does it and I get irritated and uh, sometimes we row about it. Am I the issue? Am I just a cranky old woman now? Or should he be more accepting of what annoys me and uh, try to avoid it? I'm afraid that the reason these little quirks are now annoying me is because I'm losing my attraction to him. I don't think I am, but what would the reason for this be? Is it just normal married life? It's just normal married life, you know. For, yeah, yeah. It's it's um. There's there's irritating aspects to everyone, including us. Like we, there's certain things we would do that might really annoy our partners, yep. and there isn't any point in getting letting that be a big deterrent. So he's noisy, blowing his nose. Let's you know, let's allow for that. Um, and just be annoyed if you want to in the moment but he has to blow his nose like mm. um, I would just say you know she asks um, you know um, am I losing my attraction to him she doesn't think she is I don't think she is either but I mean everyone has annoying aspects to mm. their personality and you know it could, whether it's losing the keys or where's my coat or where's my jumper or where's my other shoe or whatever it is you know we, sometimes it's an expectation that we're going to find everything that's lost or yes. sometimes it is us that are the problem and I just think this is a normal um, relationship that's very comfortable relaxed and well into the, the prime of their life and maybe past it and it's just part and parcel of, of the living with somebody and coping and you know dealing with it the way you could and so it's just something she's going through at this point that, I mean, that she's hypersensitive about your man's habits or whatever, you know. I think that sometimes if you start thinking about it, you can make a big deal about nothing. Yeah. And if you then start thinking about it, oh yeah, and he does this, oh, and he does that as well, and yeah, he doesn't flush the toilet and he leaves the wet towel on the floor and I'm after meeting such and such a thing belonging to him. And you can you can build up a big arsenal of all the things that are wrong. Yeah, and then sure. I, I'd be thinking sometimes if I'm, if I'm going to give out, I'm thinking, oh right, okay, so I didn't exactly clear the table there and empty the dishwasher and feed the dog or whatever yeah. so we're, we're all you can you can actually hone in on, on negative aspects of people and build them up into a big deal or you can just say this is normal life don't mm. be sweating the small stuff right you can get a little over familiar though with, with people that, that yeah you but know, you, I mean, you just say would you mind <laughs> Because I'm very conscious. I wish people I, could see the look you gave me. That would you? I, I'm very mind? conscious of it. We nearly have to put out a warning about the next one because it's so revolting. I know, but I have yeah. a bit of history with that and a bit of science. But um, it, it is, you know, if somebody is very offended, you say, "Listen, if you're going to go and sneeze at, at that decibel thing, it's hurting my ears. You'll have to go and do it somewhere else, or leave the room if they're starting. Yes. Leave the room and just say." 
like this. Yeah, I enough. can't cope with this. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, have the go, but leave it go. Leave it go. It's it's about trying to, to work around each other's foibles and being respectful, I suppose, as well. If if something you're doing is very antisocial, you're just thinking, stop. Well, you've heralded uh, somewhat of what we're going to talk about now in our third le- uh, letter and I have to uh, oh, oh, preface this by saying this Jesus. is absolutely disgusting. Anyway, it says, Dear Phil, I have a friend who I have known and loved for many years. We're both in our 40s. The problem is I saw her do something that has completely sickened me. We were watching a movie one night at her house and I fell asleep. I woke up after a while and looked over at her. There she was picking her Ugh. nose, having a good old root around uh, and then she pulled out her finger and into her gob with it. God almighty. I was shocked. I bet you were. Um, she looked over and saw that I was awake and looking at her. And then she put down her hand and said she'd make tea. I knew she was... <laughs> I'd be after chopping off her hand. I'm sorry. I knew she was embarrassed to be caught. I made my excuses and said I was tired and went away home. I haven't looked at her the same way since. I'm kind of disgusted with her, to be honest. I think she is still embarrassed because she hasn't texted me much since. This happened about two weeks ago. Uh, do I be honest and tell her how I feel? Or do we just give it a few days and move on like it never happened? I'm just sickened at the thought of even touching anything that belongs to her now. It's disgusting. What should I do? I have a very interesting bit of science about have this. You? So yeah, so why do people pick their nose? It's a curious habit and according to a study published in 1995, 91% of people who responded to the questionnaire reported they do it, while just 75% thought everyone does it. In short, we're all stuffing our fingers <laughs> up our noses from time to time. <laughs> so it says why why they do it it differs from person to person. So noses that are dry or overtly moist can be irritating and people can sometimes pick their nose to relieve discomfort or out of boredom or out of a nervous habit. Allergies and sinus infections can increase the amount of mucus in the nose and in rare situations nose picking is a compulsive repetitive behaviour and that condition is called rhinotixelomania. Wow often accompanies stress or anxiety and other habits like nail biting or scratching. And for people with this condition, nose peaking can briefly ease anxiety. But most people who pick their nose, including those who do it in the car, who think, of course, they can't be seen by anyone else driving a car, do so out of habit, not compulsion. And it may not be socially acceptable, but it's rarely dangerous. But it can cause damage. So it's like pimple popping. And when that creature comes on the TV, that Dr. Pimple Popping, I can't even stay in the room. No, I have terrible. to immediately leave. Whereas someone that I live with loves looking at that. Well, I'd be thinking, oh, I don't know if, if I was ever meant to be a nurse at all because I'm just not able to deal with it. Not able to. I'm not able to deal with sputum. I'm not. Able, not? I wasn't able to work in medicine when I was. That's why I was in midwifery because I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't you, deal. I couldn't deal with. You imagine that midwifery is uh, sort of um, no because that's normal. And not all a spectator the sport has been. Yeah, yeah. But someone asking someone to give you a specimen of sputum. I used to spend all the day throwing up inside oh. in the sluice. Are you serious? I, I wasn't able at all. Right. But anyway, there's there's issues that are, if, if fingernails can leave tiny cuts in the nasal tissue. It's dangerous. Bacteria can then find their ways and cause infections. And the another study said that people are likely to carry Staphylococcus aureus, which of course is a, um, a bacterium. It's what can cause a very serious infection. But look, a habit that is very antisocial, like nose picking. I mean, she should just say to her, please you need to do put on finger guards or do something but 
you you can't you can't be doing this habit. Uh, do you think they can get over this at all? I mean, it's oh, I, I do, I do, do I do. Yeah, I do. Um, but it's just it's a horrible habit. And I mean, when the children were doing it when you were growing up, I mean, you went and you got a tissue and you poked around and you removed the boogie and yeah. you fixed it up and all the rest and said, "Don't be putting your finger in your nose." And you all know the kids as well, including myself. I remember putting a bead up my nose, and there was fierce sport getting it back down. <laughs> Fear sport like. And they were in the days where there was hardly even hospitals. Like. <laughs> the doctor, I'd go to the doctor and he had pressing on one side of my nose and telling me I had to sneeze and do an answer. Oh sure God, it was it was fierce drama, but I, I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> kind of enjoy- yeah. I'm not sure what that says, Phil, but uh, and what if where their friendship is concerned, I mean you know, I mean, I can see the point to some degree that if she offered to make me a sandwich afterwards, I'm not sure that I'd be. Oh, I would just say, I know I am grossed out by yeah. what you just did. I'm just not able for that at all. And it's, it's not okay. And no, because even if I saw you scrubbing your hands and putting on gloves, I wouldn't be happy with yeah. it now. But of course, then you don't know when people go to the bathroom, are they washing their hands and are they cleaning themselves and are they doing all that? So like there's a whole social norm and then there's things that are not going to be socially acceptable. And this is one of those things. Right. Ugh. So, advice is... My advice is that she should contact her friend again and let her friend bring it up if she likes. Or she, the friend might just say, I can never show my face in that house again. Or it was she was in her house. But, uh, you know, she needs to just be appraised. But like that, um, people... They can do it because of a nervous disorder. They can do it because it's, it's, a, it's, it's one of their habits. And they need to stop those habits, particularly in public. Ugh. Phil... It's always a pleasure. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you, Fran. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Listener reacting uh, to one of her letters there saying that woman hasn't much to bother her if it's only her husband's sneeze that's causing concern. Uh, that's into us on 0833113311. Fran Ladd, it says, uh, yourself and Phil are completely nuts. Well, you could be right about that. Every guy in his 60s needs a woman to cuddle up to during the night. And it's time for that poor guy to grow a pair and say, thanks for all the good times. Goodbye. See you around, girl. <laughs> well, thank you for for the advice and if we're ever replacing Phil as an agony aunt you, you might like to you might like to get involved lad uh, the same listener actually sent me a picture um, uh, he or she was out walking at the rear of Dunstores and Thurlis and, and the flooding there is considerable to say the least but as some some forward thinking person as this listener says put a, a life a life boy uh, out there as well, obviously, just in case somebody falls in. So, thank you for that on OMA 33113311. Uh, by the way, if you have a problem that you'd like Phil to chat about, um, it's uh, tip today at tipfm.com for a an email, or indeed, you can speak to Emma on 1800 Very sad one that came in, it's very brief. But it says, my partner left me after 26 years to go back to his own home. Uh, He never told me. 
I miss him and I can't get over him. What do I do? I'm 78, he's 80. We were not married and both of us has, have uh, family. Isn't that, isn't that very sad? Isn't that very sad indeed? Noel joins me now. Noel, good morning to you. Hi, friend, and thanks very much for having me. You're very welcome indeed, Noel. You were on Irish Rail, is it last Saturday afternoon? Yeah, last Saturday I was went up to Cork, just for, for a, a little, well, I won't say, I went up to do a bit of, bit of business. Yeah. And I booked my tickets, as I'm always told to do so, online. Okay. And we reserve our seats. Mm-hmm. When we got on the train, I thought it was only a small glitch for, say, for half an hour to an hour going up, mm. uh, that we what, we wouldn't have our seats. Now, this went on, going up, no seats we got, so we sat anywhere. And then the people that owned the, the seats that we were in, we had to get out of it, let the people that had it reserved. Then, not alone that coming back down, it was the, all the names were up on the, on the dashboard. Five minutes later, they were all taken down, and a load of people just gushed in and took every one of our seats. Like, we're, we are paying for our seats, right? Yes. We should, we should be able, to, uh, we should be entitled to have a re- reservation of our seats. Right. I'm not much of a train goer, so you're going to have to help me with this now, Noel. When you go on air to, uh, when you go online even, to book a seat, do you, are you guaranteed a seat then? How, we, do, how does that work? They're, they're telling us that we are entitled to, uh, we are guaranteed our seats. We are guaranteed our seats when, when we go on. Right. And according our journey goes along up the track, we're told, please don't unoccupy or don't occupy seats that are, res- are reserved. Right. And how do you know, again, forgive my ignorance on this, but how do you know they're reserved? Your name would come up on a little dashboard up over the seat. Okay, right. And it'll say, say for instance, it'll say, uh, say for instance, I'll give an example, Frank Curry. Mm, mm. Tip of like that, that's, that sort of thing. All right, okay. And, and did, that is your seat for the, the duration of that journey going up along. Right, so you booked in this fashion. Did your name come up over a seat? Yes, my seat came up, what's called my number, sorry, my name came up on it, my wife's name came up on it, and all of a sudden they were taken back down all of a sudden. Then we saw a load of people coming, gushing in like a load of cattle going up on it into a truck. There was, and they didn't care where they sat as long as they just sat down. Right. What do you put this down to? Well, technology. Mm. And I was on your show there a few weeks ago back, and we were talking about internet, and we are talking about electricity, and we are talking about a whole lot of other things. Technology is not there to support it. Right, but but you'd imagine that this is easy enough to to organise. I mean, if X amount of people buy X amount of seats, then the yeah. train is full, and that's that. But that's not the way it works, you're telling me. No, last Saturday we, we had to stand up on our uh, on our journey all the way down from Cork. And can you buy a cheaper ticket if well, you're not booking a seat? It's I don't know what the, that, to be honest, your friend. Uh, we were on a flexible journey, so that means we could use that ticket at any journey during the day. Okay. So, say for instance, if I had a book for 12 o'clock and that train was full at 12 o'clock, I could go for the two o'clock train. Right, but will your name come up on a yes. seat in the two yes, o'clock? Would, yes, Right, but you you must change that online then, I yes. guess. Well, no, no you, you have to go to the, the counter and they'll change it okay. for you there. Okay, right. So, like, but that, it, it was, the, the whole point I uh, why I'm on here, it is no one, no, no one notified us or no one told us that the names were taken down off the seats. Right, and I presume you're not getting value for money because you no, don't have a seat. No, we're not getting value for money. Like, like I, I will tell you exactly, we paid 36 euro for that seat. Okay. 
36 euros for a seat. And, that, that, and, and uh, what, what journey was that? From where to where? It was from from Turles to Cork. Okay. And return. And return. Okay. For now, 36 euros, you said. For to 36 me. euros. Yes. So that was by two. That was myself and my wife. Okay. And it was absolutely a joke the way we had to stand up. Right. That's a fair old whack, isn't it? Yeah. For the two of you, that's what? 30, uh, 72 euros, is it? Yeah, nearly 72 euros. 26, 26. So 25, 25, 70. Mm. 70. It'll be about 75 euros. Yeah. My God. That's an awful amount. And not only that, it was up on the Irish, the Irish Examiner. It was up on the paper last week. And that's when I decided to text Ian and say, talk to you about it, because it was absolutely a joke. Irish Rail closes nominators which give Wally passengers cheaper fares to cost to go route. Yeah, I was trying to get that uh, get around that this morning as well, that uh, commuters found a kind of an anomaly there somewhere that if they bought um, a, a ticket to Galway, that it was cheaper for them to get to Dublin on that ticket or yeah. something like that. Was that it? Like, it, it wasn't cheaper because I was talking to another fella that had a, just booked this guy, went to his counter in Cork there that day, got his ticket and he paid 50-something. Right. It all seems to be kind of up in the air, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, they have no system whatsoever. There's no system. Like, I... so it was, and not only that train that was that was coming in was actually late coming in. And, it was 10 minutes late. And are you a frequent train user? I would, yes. Instead, right. of, instead of using buses, yes, I would. Would you? And are there regularly issues with, with the trains? The, the last time we had an issue with, with, with trains was, well, must have gone back nearly a month ago. Right. And what what happened then? It, it, well, it was fixed while we're on route, but this one wasn't fixed on, while we're on route. Right. Why Why wouldn't you go on buses? What What's your problem with buses? It's it's stopping and going, uh, the jolt and everything, the whole lot. It, it, it isn't a comfortable journey, and that's and that's not to do with any of the bus services. It's just that it's the roads. Yeah, um, it's it's very interesting indeed. So, what what about the future then? Will you will you think twice before you use Irish Rail or? Well, to be honest, with you, they nearly want to fix up their their their, their the system first. Right. And and like like I I I I'll give an example to say say people that had seats booked. Mm-hmm. They they should be guaranteed their seats. Right. Well, you don't and, imagine that that's a given, like. And I was trying to find a person that was on board last Saturday to bring this to their attention there was no one to be got and did you complain online or anything like that no, no. I the minute I got off on Turles I met a, an Irish rail uh, worker there mm. which was going back up to Cork again on the train right. and I said to him can I talk to you for two minutes I said I said this is a joke I said that we we paid for our tickets and we didn't even get a seat to sit down on it and what did he or she say to you oh he said I look into it he says that, that, that's what he said to me. He said, look into it. Right, but you weren't uh, the only person discommoded with oh, this, no. I presume. There's a whole pile of us. Oh, but, yeah. There, there, there was actually a fella that was coming down back down from college. Come back down from college in Cork and he had to sit on his luggage. After paying for a seat. After paying for a seat. Yeah. Um, do you know, like every so often we get a, a complaints about this and, and it all trundles on then and then we have another lot of complaints. But it doesn't appear that there's much being done. No, well, there's definitely not, is nothing, nothing to be done about it. Nothing. There was definitely nothing done last Saturday for, for, for the people that paid big money for, for tickets. 
All right, Noel. Well, thank you for, for you know, raising this with us. And we'll see if we have other people out there who have had a, a similar experience on that. Safe travel to you, Noel. And thanks right. thanks for okay, your time this you. morning. Thank you. Bye bye, you know. That's Noel with his experience of rail travel. What about you? One of our listeners on to say, I had seats reserved and paid for. There were people sitting in our seats and they refused to move out of them. When I told Aaron Road, Aaron, employee on the train, he did absolutely nothing, allowed them to stay where they were and put us into two seats elsewhere and not together. Absolutely disgraceful. Mick was on to us from Clown Mill and he says, Fran, I wouldn't sneeze at somebody picking their nose. Ah, Mick, Mick, Mick. Oh, it's three, three, double one, double three, double one. All right, then I'll take a break and I'll be right back. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Well, it's time for our monthly tech slot. I'm glad to be joined now by Niall Kitson of techcentral.ie. Niall, good morning to you. Good morning. And uh, much to talk about today. Um, Would you bring us up to speed on good old uh, Elon Musk and the whole business of charging Ukraine for the use of that Starlink broadband? Um, I'm I'm just not certain about that. Can you give us the background to this? Yeah. Now, Elon Musk got an awful lot of good PR when he announced that he was going to give use of Starlink broadband to Ukraine for free. Now, Starlink is a satellite-based network, so it doesn't have any physical infrastructure on the ground, which is fantastic from a military perspective because it means there's no actual assets that can be bombed Mm. or or taken out. So it makes great sense for uh, Ukraine to be using uh, satellite broadband. And as we've discovered, the Ukrainian army is much more technologically advanced by the Russian army, so they're making great use of broadband from a command and control perspective, whereas the Russian army has been found to be severely lacking, very often using you know, dated walkie-talkies or mobile phones even to, to get messages across from one place to another. So it was a great win for Elon Musk. Um, however, if for anyone following him on Twitter, you'll see that he's gotten very opinionated on Ukraine and Russia in recent times, uh, especially when he tweeted out a potential peace plan uh, that effectively required ceding control of Crimea to Russia and uh, forcing Ukraine to become neutral and not to uh, join NATO. Of course, this did not go down very, very well at all, uh, because, as we all know, the argument goes that, you know, uh, Russia can leave Ukraine. Uh, however, the Ukrainian people kind of like their country and would rather not be wiped out. So um, this is this is kind of the situation. And thank you very much for your broadband, Mr. Musk. Mm. But uh, please don't get involved in, in the politics of the situation. Um, ever since, we know that Elon Musk is, is incredibly thin-skinned when it comes to uh, criticism. Uh, so I'm sure in a not-related not, uh, development at all, uh, he came out and tweeted that, uh, you know, so, so, some other countries, some other businesses were making an awful lot of money off this uh, and he's giving it for free. Uh, however, he has backtracked 
Uh, and he said, you know, uh, to, to quote his, his tweet, even though Starlink is still losing money and other companies are getting billions of taxpayer dollars, we'll just keep funding the Ukrainian government for free. Which sounds very benevolent on one level. It's like, yeah, okay, that's great. We see what's going on. We support the Ukrainian people. We will support the Ukrainian army um, by facilitating their superior technology. However, the way it's worded is that, you know, we are supporting the government for free. Um, there's, there's definitely a sting in the tail there. That Absolutely. He's not for happy sure. about Who that. was he looking for to pay him, though? I mean, was he looking for dollars for this? He was looking for dollars, yes. Right. Uh, and this this is, you know, uh, very much, I, I don't want to say it as jab against the Biden administration, mm. but uh, I wonder if Mr. Trump was still in office, would, would we still be actually, in fairness, we wouldn't be having this conversation about Probably Ukraine not. at all. Mm. But uh, it, it would make you wonder if there was a president sympathetic to uh, Mr. Musk's uh, politics, uh, because we know that he is very much in the libertarian camp, because mm. uh, it's very easy for a rich person to consider themselves a libertarian yeah, when they're not they're not going to be affected by the consequences of what they say very often. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's very much a, a function of maybe he doesn't like who's in the White House, maybe he doesn't like how little he's being paid, maybe he doesn't like the, the PR backlash uh, that he got for trying to you know put, put forward a peace plan or be seen as some sort of peacemaker or if you will, a deal maker. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of petty and childish, though, isn't it? I mean, when you consider... Well, I mean, he's not hes not known for being the most... Um, <laughs> I don't say, you know, level-headed. I mean, the man's work ethic is undeniable. Yes. However, he is somewhat eccentric. Yeah, just a tad. And speaking of which, um, what, what about the situation with Twitter? What's, what's the latest on that? Is he or isn't he? Well, this is the thing. There is actually a court action coming to compel him to finish uh, the, the um, yeah. purchase of, of, uh, the, of Twitter. Um, so it's still kind of in limbo. Uh, when last I heard, there was some sort of agreement in place between two parties. Um, but the judge involved in the case said, well, look, I haven't heard anything. So as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's still on. Interesting, isn't it? Will you tell me about Kenya West? What is this story about buying parlour? Yeah. Now, just to frame things a little bit, Parler is a right-wing social network in the in the vein of Twitter. Mm. So Twitter is it's getting its act together when it comes to content moderation. It has standards in place. People can be reported and banned. And, you know, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination because we still have a bot problem. We still have a propaganda problem. There's an awful lot of misinformation floating about. However... If you don't really want to be exposed to ideas that are, you know, contrary to your own, especially if you're on the right, you've got a couple of good options there. You've got one social network called Gab, which was associated pretty much with the alt-right. And I suppose, you know, the soft end, maybe, Mm. of of right-wing discourse. Of course, we have Donald Trump's Truth Social, which is his his personal megaphone. That uh, It actually seems to have a user base, but... Depending on you know whether people are just going on to to look at it for you know rubberneck purposes or whether they're actually engaging, like kind mm. of a kind of a question unto itself. And now and then we have Parler, which is a social network that is uh, very much got wrapped up in sort of the the hard right rhetoric, if you will. Um, it got kicked off of iTunes and Google Play um, for allowing hate speech. It was recently uh, allowed back on both. Um, because the, they 
undertook sort of a, um, an agreement to say, OK, we're going to introduce moderation. We're no longer going to be free speech absolutists. But it didn't come out of nowhere either. It was funded by uh, John Matz and Rebecca Mercer, the, the latter you might be familiar with because her family was involved in Cambridge Analytica. Ah, OK. So uh, a yes. very um, kind of well-known person mm. for funding... Um, uh, candidates in the Republican Party. She actually ran for office at one stage as well and, and failed. Um, so, you know, a very um, politically active party on the right. So they, this was kind of meant to be um, a right-wing alternative. Unfortunately, it got wrapped up in an awful lot of very unsavoury politics. So instead of having, you know, a place where people on the right can, you know, have a, a civilised discourse and share ideas, it was actually, you know, populated by extremists. Uh, which is not, you know, how how you want a social network to run, especially when you're saying, you know, here's a safe space, go say what you want. When when people kind of abuse that and, and sort of uh, spread lies and conspiracy theories, it's it's not a good look. Right, so what about Kanye West and his attraction to yeah. this then? So Kanye has had big problems with Twitter and Instagram uh, and has been banned from the platform. Uh, he was recently allowed back on, but rapidly... Um, rapidly mm. banned again because he came out with some anti-Semitic statements. Mm. Fairly, you know, fairly obvious. I mean, there, there was no gaslighting here at all. And um, the exact line that he used was, uh, I'm going to go DEFCON 3. Now, he, he spelled it wrong, so we're not entirely sure whether he understands what DEFCON 3 is. Yeah. But he yeah. basically made a, a, a fairly obvious and, and unsubtle anti-Semitic threat. So um, he, was, he was kicked off for a fairly vagrant terms of service violation. What does somebody do? Well, you go and maybe buy your own social network. You, you do what Elon Musk do. Yeah. So we don't know how much money he has actually parted uh, for, for Parler. The deal still hasn't closed yet. So there's still an awful lot of mystery up in the air. Oddly enough, Elon stepped in uh, and said, you know, I'm kind of worried about him. Uh, I had a bit of a heart to heart and I think he's taken some of my points on board. I doubt it, but um, you know it's <laughs> as it's very easy to do, and we'll we'll see where it goes. Um, I I think this is a very strange decision. As we know, uh, there's been a lot of speculation about Kanye West's um, mental health. Yes, whether he's actually suffering from bipolar disorder, maybe some of the uh, things that are happening in his private life have really unsettled him uh, in recent times. Mm. So there's an awful lot maybe bubbling away in the background of the story. Um, you can be fairly sure that you know, Mr. West is not interested or, or in amplifying a, a lot of the opinions um, spread on Parler. But again, like Donald Trump, if he wants his own personal megaphone, maybe this might be the way to do it. Maybe so indeed. I, I was also interested to read uh, on Tech Central about an algorithm that's pushing up rents in the United States. Um, what, what is that about? Yeah, so there's a company called Realstar, Yieldstar, sorry, and they're sort of kind of a property management company, uh, and they would be responsible for letting out um, for, uh, sorry, the algorithm is called Yieldstar, which is which is what's going to be causing us an awful lot of problem, and it's used by a company called Realpage. Now, Realpage is very involved in setting rents in the United States. I'll give you an example of their reach. Uh, in Seattle, 70% of the apartments on the manage, on the market are managed by 10 property companies, very small amount of companies, all of which use this software developed by 
RealPage. And basically what RealPage uh, have done is they've taken a, a big data approach to things. So they want to find out who is spending what on which apartment, at what time of the year, what money do they make, where are these apartments. They, they take an awful lot of sort of that um, data that's generated that maybe we don't think mm. is particularly valuable. I mean, we might think that landlords are, are putting up rents just by looking at what people are paying already and mm. adding 5 10% or, or whatever. Um, however, RealPage, actually, they developed a, a method behind it that will actually guarantee um, you know, the people letting out apartments. And oddly enough, if you have a, a building um, with multiple tenants in it, sometimes the advice that, you know, sometimes you're off leaving a unit vacant if you can charge everyone else in the building X amount more. So there's a lot of sort of moving parts to this, but it's very scary because, you know, it is completely impersonal. It requires no sense of um, uh, empathy on the part of the companies involved. They can point to to something very um, methodical, very scientific and say, look, this is what the data is telling us. This is what the market will bear. It's very interesting, and it's particularly interesting, I suppose, in the light dial of the issues that we have here with with uh, uh, homes and apartments and all of that kind of thing as well. Um, podcast recommendations for us? Yeah, I talked a couple of months ago with you about Dublin by Gaslight, which yes. is sort of, you know, this wonderful um, bird ghost story um, uh, show. There's another one, uh, again, Irish as well, called Petrified. Um, and this is, these are stories all written by a gentleman called Peter Dunn, produced by Liam Garrity, who might be familiar in radio circles. Um, and these are just basically 30-minute stories of the uncanny with a, a fairly, you know, a fairly set, rotating cast. So, you, you know, you, you'll get to know uh, a lot of voices uh, as you go through it. Great little shows, really nice production value. And for the season that's in it, you can't really go wrong. Absolutely. Niall, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for your time and good morning to you. That's Niall Kitson there of techcentral.ie. And I always recommend that to you if you're into things techy or tech news, techcentral.ie. And that was Niall Kitson speaking to us there. Tara joins me now. Tara, good morning to you. Really good to talk to you today, Tara. We were just referring to Halloween there with uh, Niall Kitson as well. Of course, it can be an expensive time of year as well. Yes, definitely. Very expensive. When you think about the the costume and the sweets and stuff, um, it all adds up. Yeah, but you have some ideas about how you might be able to save a few bob, particularly where the costumes are concerned. Oh, well, that was just through trial and error. Um we we found it was um, cheaper to to make them, mm-hmm. or to go um, ser- searching through all the second hand shops. Right, very good. And oh. give us a couple of tips on that. Well, um, the second hand shops are brilliant because around the end of September, the start of October, they start putting out any costumes that they do have, mm-hmm. and we do have good selection of second hand shops in our town. So. Yes. We go around, and obviously we're not going to find exactly what we're looking for because mm-hmm. the the ideas change from year to year. But we can improvise. Sometimes we've found two costumes and we've cut them apart and then joined them together. Very good. And another way we've done it is uh, buying the material either in Michael Guiney's or also in the second-hand shops because you can actually find kind of like a ream of... Uh, what would you call it? Material, fabric. yes. Mm. Yeah, fabric that hasn't been used. 
And also, if you're lucky enough to get it in white or a lighter colour, mm. um, the two euro shop now has fabric dye. Right. So you can actually dye it to whatever colour you want, either oh, red, purple. Yeah. Um, that's just how me and my kids have done it for the last few years because trying to get, say, the three of us a new costume each, mm. you're looking at about, say, 20 to 30 euros per costume. Yes. Um, if you were going to get it in a shop. But we've managed, very luckily, to be able to do it on the cheap and still have the same effect as it does on... And I presume Tara have great fun making the costumes as well as everything else. <laughs> it's, it's like I'm trying to do baking with toddlers. <laughs> um, it's, quite, it's quite funny. But they do love it. Yeah. And it also, they have to come up with the idea Right. Then they have to execute it. And as I said, my two, my younger two children have autism. So it's a great way of getting them to problems, problem solve. Of course. And then they're like, okay, if this is how we make the dress. Like last year, my daughter had a witch's outfit um, made for her. Yes. Um, and we managed to get all the material in Michael Guinness mm-hmm. and my godmother, which is an amazing um, seamstress made it for her. And I'm sure so, they're, they're wonderful even by comparison to what's available in the shops, you know? Yes, because the dress that was made last year for a Halloween costume is now used this year as a normal going-out dress. Are you serious? Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Isn't and that no one funny? would notice because all you have to do is just pull the black ribbon in the middle off of it and it looks like a, a perfect Oh, you know, great. dress that that's, you bought. That's great. And there's so few people skilled as a seamstress now. It's great. It's great to have that on your doorstep, literally. Um, I'm just wondering about the, the, the kids with uh, autism, Tara. How do they feel about Halloween? Is there, they're not scared or anything uh, particularly? Uh, no. M- my my youngest two absolutely adore Halloween. Right. Um, as I was explained to them growing up, they might grow out of Christmas. Yes. You know, they might get older and Santa might be different and go to younger children, mm-hmm. but they'll never grow out of Halloween. Yeah, they can be in their 80s, 90s and run around dressed up as a vampire or a witch <laughs> or whatever they want. Yes. And they love it. I think it's brilliant. And will you go house to house or? Well, this year would be the first time to do that. Yes, with, with COVID. Yeah. Obviously with COVID. But the last two years, my cousin, uh, Philip, came up with a fantastic idea. He turned pallets into little houses okay. in the back garden and then covered them with bushes off of the, the ditch. And then the kids would come around to my nanny's house and they'd go trick-or-treating in the back garden and all the parents were hid in the the pallets and the kids had to knock and then another cousin of mine, Danny and Lisa, were chasing them up the, the acre dressed as um as banshees. And they loved it. And everybody was in the one area. No one could go outside of the garden. What a lovely idea. Lovely and idea. The the normal everyday the the games we were raised with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the bobbin for apples. Trick-or-treating. and uh, Trick is, Yeah, and pieces, that yeah. was it. And we didn't even have to leave my nanny's back garden. He did a fantastic job. And it was just the three pallets turned together looking like a 
an old broken down house. But it just and goes to show you, Tara, that, you know, kids can have great fun for very little expense, I suppose. That's it. I, that's the thing. The kids are not worried about the expense of their clothes. Mm. If yeah. you get, like, a two- or three-year-old is not going to be bothered how much a pumpkin costume costs. They're just happy that somebody's given them out free seats at the door. I know. Of course, yeah. How are you finding the cost of living in general, Tara? Um, it's it's manageable right now. Right. If that makes any sense, because I budget everything. Right. But then when it comes to... It's coming up to Christmas, it's coming up to Halloween. That would be an extra expense weekly on top of, obviously, what I'd normally have. Mm. So it's just budgeting. It's just trying to get maybe a bag of sweets in deals every week because I'm going just to build it up. So Mm. I have sweets for kids to knock at the door. But, um, yeah, no, I think it's new to everybody because we've all spent the last two years kind of, uh, adjusting to COVID mm. and living within that, and now we're all trying to readjust a, again of course, to yes. something else. Of course, it's um, all budgeting anyway. That's all I know. And in my when house. you say for now, do you have you concerns about the next few months? Because of course there may indeed yes, be further increases. Yeah, because so. it, there is going to be further increases. Nothing is going to come down. Yeah, I can't see anything coming down, and none of the savings. I don't know. I can't see them coming back into the normal everyday person's pocket. Do you think that we're 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 landed with this now? You think, yeah? Yeah, we're landed. Nothing's going to go back down. If anything, it's going to go up and then come back down to this, to where we are now. Right. It's not going to go back, back, back to, to we twenty nineteen levels or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, no, I can't see it. A listener on to us to say, "God be with the days of the black refuse bag." And the white oh, bed sheet. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we thought we were brilliant, friend, when we upgraded because we got the green plastic ah, bag. Here. So we, ah, you were we, posh, we, Tara. We were, we were Ninja Turtles. We went from <laughs> <laughs> the white and black thing up to Ninja Turtles and our mum used to put the dustbin lid on our back. You're right. Oh, oh the, yes, for the, the ninja effect. Yeah, 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 isn't that great? <laughs> Uh, the, this so person going on to say, what about the roll of toilet paper where your friend would keep winding it around you to give yeah. you the effect of being a mummy? And do you know what? Those were the days. Yeah. The that's... simplest. And no one cared what you looked like. Yeah, of course. No one cared. It wasn't like a... It just seems to be like a fashion statement these days. Yeah. Oh, I paid so much on this costume for my child. And... Yeah, but what you're telling me is that kids still like the simple thing if they, if that's they what they're confronted with, you know. Well, that's it, because as I said, I could go down to the second-hand shop tomorrow and I could buy a witch's costume for two euros, Mm. or I could go over to Tesco's, buy a witch's costume for 15 euros. Yes. And the child will not care which one I got it in, as long as they've got that costume. Yes, and as long as The only reason they'll under... That's it. And then it's going to be taken off and turned into the press for another uh, for and you'll be passing it on then to somebody else. So there's quite a few people on about these black refuse sacks. (laughs) (laughs) They were brilliant. (laughs) We're bringing back a lot of memories, that's uh, for sure. Tara, it was lovely to talk to you today and thank you for that lovely advice as well. My best to you in the case. Thank you. No problem, thank you. Thanks Tara, bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Tara speaking to us about how to maybe 
do costumes for Halloween on a budget. That's it uh, for me. Emma produced, uh, Ali looks after her content and Stephen is on the way. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Aramount for